With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This was not a good look. We'll explain that in a minute. Good morning. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. And we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com. We'll help you get there. And unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and... Over 10,000 recommended install this TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be, here he is. The way football should be talked about, as well as all sports. My partner and friend, Mr. Bucky Brooks, how are you? I'm good, man. How you doing, Andy? You know, I feel great, and we have to welcome the new Fox Sports Radio, Jacksonville, 9.30 a.m., VP of Programming, Rick Everett, Program Director, Kyle Cassandra, and I had no idea that Jacksonville is Florida's largest city. Did you know that? I did not know that. <laughs> Andy, of course I knew that. I'm there every weekend with the Jaguars. That's what I, I know it's the biggest thing. That's why they shout Duval, because they talk about Duval County being in the building. I'm glad that they are part of the mix. Now. I thought Miami would be. I did not know that. The Jacksonville, 930 a.m., as well as Orlando, 97.9 FM at 810 a.m. Thank you. Welcome to the family. Love having you. We hope that you enjoy what we give you here every single day on Fox Sports Radio. Now... Let me get back to Bucky Brooks. You have got it made. You hit it right on the head. Not only did you say the Kansas City Chiefs would win the Super Bowl, you said they'd come back and win it. How on earth did you know that? No, that I didn't know that they would come back. I mean, that's just that's just a part of it. Like when you just looked at the formula and the way that they've done it, you just had an unbelievable amount of faith in Pat Mahomes. If you had a situation like that. And I think with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, as long as they got number 15, they got a chance, and that played out in Super Bowl 58. Well, I will tell you this much. Everybody's talking about Patrick Mahomes. They're talking about Kansas City. They're talking about Andy Reid, now a Mount Rushmore of coaches. This is taken that Super Bowl that I think people missed, okay? There was a columnist from the New York Post he said about Travis Kelsey that he revealed himself to be an attention-starved, self-entitled, crude slug. 
And why he said that? I guess from the shoving match from his coach, Andy Reid, during the game. All right? And even his brother said that, uh, you know, he went over the limit there in their podcast during the week, New Heights, for bumping Coach Andy Reid, screaming in his face during the Super Bowl. And, and brother Jason said the actions were unacceptable. Have you, in your NFL career, player or coach or scout, whatever it may be, seen a player do that to a coach during a game? <clears throat> I mean, I've seen, I've seen incidents on the sideline happen. Uh, maybe not as egregious as that, but you have to remember, man, it's a very emotional game. Uh, guys are super invested. The Super Bowl is all of this emotional ener- this, this energy that is there. And so the highs are high and the lows are low. Travis Kelsey was a player who was extremely frustrated at the time. Uh, he shouldn't bump into Andy Reid and do those things. But I kind of get the sense, particularly listening to Andy after the game, Andy knew exactly what he was dealing with in Travis Kelsey. And if not for the fact that he kind of bumped him and knocked him off balance, we've seen previous incidents in the playoffs. Uh, I can't remember which playoff game, but Travis Kelsey comes off the sideline and throws his helmet uh, to the ground and the equipment manager picks it up and hands it back and Andy Reid kind of holds him and says, hold on, let him calm down and do those things. And so I just believe that their relationship is built off trust and they have enough trust between one another that when those emotions run high and they do have those incidents, they're able to bounce back for it. Andy Reid knew exactly who he's dealing with with Travis Kelsey. That's why I don't think they have uh, fallout or lingering effects when they do have these kind of altercations. I want to share something with you that I read in the USA Today the other day, Jared Bell, the columnist. And you know me well enough to know that I'm colorblind. I'm not one to throw out the racial Mm -hmm. card, anything like that. Jared Bell is a tremendous columnist. He's African-American. He wrote this Mm -hmm. the other day. He said, had it been a black player erupting in the same fashion as Travis Kelsey, he says, I suspect it would have been a bigger deal. And maybe with the talk of a pending suspension because, well, we've seen a double harsher standard throughout history. What's your take on what Jared Bell had to say about the Travis Kelsey thing as far as race is concerned? Uh, I mean, from a perception and a a look standpoint, it probably would have been a different take on it. I think we're very, very comfortable. um, We're uncomfortable seeing African-American athletes go back at their coaches like that. Uh, I think back to Des Bryant. I think back to some of the other players who have blown up or have had emotional outbursts on sidelines, and they are painted in a negative light. Travis Kelsey won't be painted in the same light as those guys, and I think it's kind of like the blind spot that we have in our media coverage where we can accept one thing but not accept the other. And I believe, having been on the field, that stuff happens more than we know. It's just that uh, the public is kind of given privy to see some of those incidents blow up, particularly when you have so many cameras in those games. Okay, I'm glad you said it that way. Uh, I agree with you. I somewhat agree with Jared Bell. I I don't think the racial situation, maybe maybe it should come up. Maybe it should. Maybe maybe he hit it right on the head. I think people need to talk about that, get it out in the open. But here's what I'm concerned about, and maybe I am going a little too far. I'm concerned about anger management. You know, I I see Travis Kelsey. I saw him play in college. You know, I I enjoy watching him play. I I think he's he's an outstanding football player. I think he's a future Hall of Famer. Although I've seen him in his, I say, actions, even at the podium after the game, the, the yelling, the screaming. I'm concerned after the push with Andy Reid of perhaps maybe a little anger management here. 
What if he decides, and this is crazy, I know, I'm going down the road. What if he decides to shovel push his lady, Taylor Swift? It could possibly ha- get into a little heated discussion. Next thing you know, he's pushing and shoving her. Is, is, is that a concern that I should be worried about? Or should I talk about it? Or it's just ridiculous? No, I wouldn't say it's ridiculous, but here's, here's what I would say. Um, I think everyone has to understand with uh, football players in particular, uh, when you're getting ready to play games and as you're playing these playoff games or whatever, intensity runs high. It is almost like putting on the armor of being the gladiator that's stepping into the arena. So all of those things that you have to do to go to the dark side to be able to play the game at a highest level, at times it certainly can be a, a, look, a gift and a curse. And the hardest thing to do is to turn that down when the game is over and you walk across those lines. Travis Kelsey and every NFL player, they have to learn how to kind of control those emotions or how to bring that stuff down. For Travis, I think the emotions are what make him a good player, but he certainly has to always be careful and mindful of his emotions when he's not playing the game. He certainly has to develop coping mechanisms, and I'm sure he has done that, and we haven't seen him really involved in incidents uh, throughout his pro career. I think we can look at that snapshot of who he is on the field and what he is on the podium and worry about that, but I think right now those those, uh, concerns are unfounded because he hasn't involved he hasn't been involved in anything that has been concerning or troubling okay and i will say that you talk about the emotions and i realize that this is a brutal game i mean if you ever watch a football game standing on the field during the game you could just hear it it's unbelievable how these guys hit one another and the sound that comes out after the pads and helmets hit i've been there done that i haven't played the game but i've been there and heard it and seen it and i don't even know if i'd even want to try it i just couldn't do it however i also noticed that this emotion is a buildup of pressure tension nerves whatever it may be and after the season's over this this tension and nerves and emotions still remain in the system and that's why many of these guys are involved in incidences after the system after the season because they can't let it out because there's no more ball games is that possible you've seen that a lot of arrests a lot of you know uh, fights well, whatever I mean, it may be yeah i think that used to be more the case i think um the national football league and uh, Commissioner Goodell have done a really good job of kind of putting standards and expectations in place of how guys should act on and off the field. You don't see nearly as many, many uh, incidents and arrests and um, I would say things that would cause black eyes in the league these days. And a lot of that is because it's talked about um, there are more programs in place to kind of help guys uh, deal with some of the issues that they may be dealing with when it comes to the therapy and um, I would say just the the tools that the NFL provides. And it's something that everyone recognizes when you are playing this game. You do have to kind of have a bit of an alter ego to play it at a high level due to the emotions. But you also have to be able to kind of bring that back down and to be able to function as a regular civilian when you're not playing. Uh, It's something that everyone has to learn. And I think the league has done a better job of helping young players kind of understand how to come down, how to cool down, how to control their emotions when they do get away from the game. And would it be fair to say that all these incidences that we read about and hear about after the season's over, maybe uh, allegedly wife beating, whatever it may be, 
that that you could put maybe in the hands of the media, but back in the day, I don't think athletes change. I just don't think it was reported as much as it is today with so many media outlets and social media. I, that's my take on it. I think, uh, you, right? I mean, the, the football players I mean, played in the different. 60s and 70s, right? But there wasn't mm-hmm. all these outlets. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly more attention on, on the game these days than the players. And there are cameras everywhere. Anyone who has a phone uh, has an opportunity to be a journalist of some sort because they can document things that happen and take place. Uh, players have been more aware of what's going on in public and how they need to act and conduct themselves and those things. I would like to say that we're getting a more evolved player today than maybe we had in yesteryear. Like there's been more time to kind of understand how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to conduct yourself to expectations um, as a role model and those things. They don't always uh, live up to the standard, but I do think the league has done a better job of getting players who really try to adhere to the standard. Right, and I, I think that there's more attention focused on the National Football League because of its popularity than any other league. I would say that there's probably more players that play Major League Baseball, but I think we read less about that because I don't think it's as popular as football. We follow football 365, seven days a week. There's always something going on. It's like a soap opera in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is like a soap opera. We have uh, more attention. It's the most popular sport in the country. And with that comes a lot of attention and eyeballs on it. No doubt about that. You know, talking about attention and eyeballs, I mean, the reality of our country. And look, uh, it was... It's kind of a sad thing. I mean, and, and it's it's more commonplace now than ever before with the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City with the shooting. A, a young female reporter was shot and killed there. And, you know, kids were shot. I, I just I, I can't figure it out. I don't understand it. I don't know why someone would do it. I don't know why someone could even take someone else's life. But I read something by a media person the other day, Ed Berliner from Florida. I wanted to share it with you if I could, Buck. And uh, somewhere he says, somewhere in the United States right now, someone, and very likely multiple someones, are planning the next mass shooting. They're preparing the weapons, the ordinance, and refining their plan as to when and where. Somewhere in the United States there are people who are living on borrowed time. Could be me, could be you. These and those are the next victims of that planned mass shooting, and their lives will end in a hail of bullets. And then we're entering another day where murder is considered by some to just be a reason for the phrase thoughts and prayers and nothing more. A school teacher, a grocery worker, a medical professional, a radio DJ, a child, right this moment unaware that they will be the next to die in the battle for gun supremacy in America. Could be me, could be you, could be someone we love. In every instance, it will be someone who is loved and will soon be erased from history for no reason other than politics, greed, and madness. It's all happening right now with those in power secure in the knowledge the end result will be as they want it. Thoughts and prayers indeed. I saw that notification on TV the other day. I got sick to my stomach. I really did. It was, it was a terrible thing to end on a, on a beautiful note, the parade. And, you know, it just, Buck, I see that. I, I, I think people are going to be fearful to go out and, and, and be in crowds now. I just don't understand why it's done. I really don't. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the first time that I've ever really had to think about um, parades and the lack of security at parades. And, you know, I, I begin to think about, like, man, why was this ever thought to be um, a, a great thing? Because there are so many uncontrolled things when it comes to a parade. Like, you just have uh, anyone 
who can mill up and down the street. You don't have security. You don't have uh, metal detectors. You can't right. take away uh, guns and those things. And let, here we are, like, with pro athletes and teams parading through a city unprotected. Uh, until this incident in Kansas City, I never thought about parades being something that could be very, very vulnerable. And even though I've had friends that have been involved in uh, incidents like the incident that took place at Vegas at a country uh, concert, and oh, yeah. we, we hear all the time about, like, the mass shootings at schools and those things, it never really dawns upon you until uh, something like this happens. And so, look, man, it is ridiculous when it comes to some of the policies when it, in terms of who we allow to get their hunt, their hands on guns. But hopefully, man, lawmakers will eventually step up. Um, we are all tired of just uttering thoughts and prayers whenever we right. hear these things. Our country is the only one that has to deal with these things over and over again. At some point, we should be able to come up with reasonable solutions to allow those to uh, who f- choose to bear firearms to do it, but to do it in a responsible manner. Well said, Bucky Brooks. You know, it's funny. I got a baseball games now, football games, and they have these metal detectors before you get into the ball game. You can't have a backpack. You can't even take an umbrella. In. And, and, and I get it. I mean, it's for your own personal safety. I get that. But then again, if you're going to do that at a baseball game or a football game or even a basketball game, why don't they do it at the mall? Why don't they do it at movie theaters? Why don't they do it with people going shopping at Kroger? I, I don't understand. I mean, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I mean, you could easily take a gun into those places where, where in sporting events, they, they're really, you got to get to the game at least an hour and a half earlier because sometimes those lines are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They, they're checking everything and anything on you. They really are. I don't get it. I just don't understand the whole thing. I don't. I don't want to, yeah, but I no, don't. It- it's terrible. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a different deal. It's, it's terrible. Um, I think about all the kids and everyone who attend the parade. They forever would be scarred by right. what took place. I mean, like being in open places, they never will. Their innocence is lost. And so it's unfortunate that um, one young lady lost her life. A bunch of kids uh, were injured. Uh, and at some point, we have to do something about this. No doubt about that. He's Bucky Brooks. Get him on X. Get him on Twitter, whatever you want to do. It's called at Bucky Brooks, at Andy Furman FSR. Or better yet, we'd love to hear from you, your opinion, at 877-99 on Fox. That translates to 877-996-6369. we got to ask Bucky in this hour. Bottom barrel betting in hour number two. We've got the blame game in hour number three. And, of course, the wacky world of sports. Yes, we're going to four hours today in hour number four. Now, Coming up next on Fox Live from the Tyrac.com studios, the questions are there. Can he win the big one? Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This League Uncut, the new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes, and me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. He's watching the big games evaporate. That's coming right up. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. We are Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. And by the way, did you know Discover wants everyone to feel special? That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card limitations apply. Okay, let's talk about your favorite guy. You said that it was a big game for him last week, and it certainly was getting a little heat right now. Kyle Shanahan, coach of the 49ers, and we know he's a brilliant offensive-minded coach. Seven years ago, as the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons, he saw the Patriots come back from a 28-3 deficit in the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. Four years ago, head coach of the 49ers, his team choked a fourth-quarter lead to the Chiefs, and last Sunday, it happened again. All right, what's the story with Kyle Shanahan and, of course, the coin toss? Why would he receive? Explain that deal to me because I think he didn't even understand the new rules of the, the overtime situation. No, a few different things uh, in play with Kyle Shanahan. He has been a part of teams that have had epic meltdowns in the late stages of games after having leads in the Super Bowl. First as offense coordinator, then as a head coach for the 49ers. It's happened twice where they've had double-digit leads in the fourth quarter. They haven't been able to hold on to it. Um, that hangs around his neck like an albatross. Uh, despite his brilliance as a, a head coach, as an offensive play caller, his teams don't finish for whatever reason. Uh 
in the past it had been because the offense would just kind of ground to a halt. He would get away from running the football. He would throw it, and they just wouldn't throw it successfully in those moments. This game, the Niners played well enough to win. They just couldn't finish it out. What happens a lot of times in these games, and I think what people don't understand, pass rushing takes a toll on your defense. And when the Kansas City Chiefs and those other teams get into catch-up mode, it becomes a, a, a passing contest. Well, with the San Francisco 49ers, their pass rush is not able to just sustain itself over the course of a what 15 to 20 minute period where they're just in pass rush mode. You just get tired, you get fatigued, and that's why the game kind of loosens up for everybody in the fourth quarter. As it relates, because everyone is taking them to task for taking the ball first in overtime. And I think what Cal Shanahan said is sensible. But I think people have to understand. What he said is, we wanted to have the ball third in a sudden death situation. The way the overtime rules are, uh, both teams get a possession. And if both teams score the same amount of points, the third possession becomes sudden death. So reasonably, what Cal Shanahan was saying, hey, if we score a touchdown, they score a touchdown. When they kick it off the third time, when the game goes to to a sudden death um, situation, we want to have the ball first in a sudden death. So that makes sense to me. So I don't understand why everyone is upset. I, I think the other thing that people need to focus on, rather than worrying about why he took the toss, his defense was just coming off a drive where they were on the field for 10 or 11 plays in a row. If they kick off, they put a defense that's already worn down right back on the field to face Pat Mahomes in a pass rush game. Mm-hmm. It made sense for him to give them a break to see if he could run it down, allow the defense to charge up, score some points, and do those things. Now, we can debate whether, okay, if you're going to take it the first the first drive and you get all the way down inside the tight red zone, why not go for it on fourth down to see if you can get the touchdown as opposed to the field goal? I think that should be the debate and the conversation, not about whether he elected to take the, the, the ball first or not. Interesting. And now there's a change, obviously, in 2022. Both teams now have a chance to possess the ball, even if the side that receives the opening kickoff scores the touchdown. And some teams say that maybe that's a reason to win the toss and defer in order to know precisely whether they need a field goal or they need a touchdown when their turn to, to get the possession of the ball comes along. And there were a few 49er players uh, in the media that said that they were unaware that this new regulation had been implemented. So that, and I, I get it. I mean, the chances of going to overtime are somewhat bleak. You, you didn't think the games would go to overtime. I don't think coaches really take the time to say, no, this is going to happen if we get to overtime. Now, have you seen that? Do coaches really lay that out? Or it's on the coach and the coach will tell them if, in fact, it does go to overtime, this is what we have to do? Look, I am pretty confident that Cal Shanahan and his staff at some point have relayed the new rules to the players. And the players should have been well aware. The fact that, and I'm going to say this because this has kind of been a theme for the Niners since they lost, the players haven't taken any accountability for any wrongdoing that took place in the Super Bowl. It's always, we weren't prepared, the coaches didn't do this, yada, yada, yada. It's always something. And the Niners won't win until their players are able to look in the mirror and say, hey, we could play better, we should have known better, we should have done this. The fact that so many veteran players came out and said that they didn't know the rules, well, I would put that on them. Every good team that I've been around, every good team that I know, the players do a little 
extra. The players know exactly what they're doing. They're prepared for situations. They spend time in film study. They hold themselves and their teammates accountable. To me, people are trying to blame a lot of this on Kyle Shanahan, but I think the players are ultimately responsible. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan could have done a better job of reminding them of the rules because I say this all the time. There's no difference between NFL players and high school players in terms of in the middle of the game, how you have to give constant tips and reminders. But I, I can't put all of this on Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff saying that they didn't have their team prepared. Um, they could do a better job. Obviously, you heard how the Kansas City Chiefs had gone about preparing their players, uh, right. talking about the overtime rules, having a clear plan. If there's a takeaway, yes, Shanahan can step up the preparation to make sure everyone understands the why behind the decisions. But I'm pretty confident that they covered some of this at some point during the thing. Maybe not with the attention to detail that Kansas City has, but I'm sure they discussed overtime and the overtime rules because there's a rules meeting when the officials come to training camp every year. At some point, they've discussed this stuff. So this is what happened. The Niners win the toss. They elect to take the football. And then after the game, Shannon explained that the Chiefs matched whatever they would have done on the opening possession. The chance to get the ball at the third time, mm-hmm. obviously, was, was mm-hmm. too good to pass up. That decision was still surprising to Andy Reid and the Kansas City people. Now, it, round, it wound up playing, I guess, right into Kansas City's hands because San Francisco quarterback Brock Purdy let it drive for a field goal. Then Mahomes came back with a touchdown and announced the game. That was it right there so yeah I mean that that that, that was it and you now what you didn't know what we ended up hearing uh, Kansas City had a plan for overtime where no matter what happened they were going for two like their players were aware of what the situation was if it was a touchdown and then they had to follow up with a touchdown they were going to win the game they were going to play to win the game. And I would say the difference between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, the level of preparation and the attention to detail. But part of that comes from Andy Reid being a a very experienced coach, a coach that has been heartbroken several times. Um, A lot of time, man, Life's life's best teacher is experience. Like experience is life's best teacher. Like he has gone through and he's had his heart broken. He lost all those NFC title games when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. That forced him to review and reflect and trying to come up with strategies and tactics and do those things. Kyle Shanahan will learn from this. I can best believe that his teams will be better prepared for these situations going forward. But Andy Reid did a really masterful job of preparing his team for the situation. They were ready for it. He sure did. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Now, coming up next on Fox Live from the Tyrac.com studios, this man is a one and dunner. But first, here's Kevin Wyatt with all your sports. Yeah, it was a big day in college hoops on Saturday. Several ranked teams in action. We had a huge top five matchup in Hartford. Number one, UConn. Number four, Marquette. But... This game did not live up to the hype at all. It was a dominating performance by the Huskies as they went in against the Golden Eagles, 81-53. Over in the Big 12, yet another matchup of ranked teams. Number 6, Kansas. Number 25, Oklahoma. And the Jayhawks trailed at one point, and uh, they ended up winning it by 10, 67-57. An upset in the SEC, number 11, South Carolina. They were up by 16 at one point against LSU, but end up falling 
by one point in Columbia, 64-63. Number 22, Kentucky handing the 13th-ranked Auburn Tigers their first home loss of the season, 70-59. to An upset, number 19, BYU, taken down by Oklahoma State, 93-83. In the Big Ten, it's number 20, Wisconsin, losing in overtime to Iowa, 88-86. And number 23, Indiana State, fresh in the rankings, for the first time since Larry Bird played for them in the late 70s. But uh, that time in the top 25 might be short-lived because the Sycamores do lose it to Southern Illinois, 74-69. The state of Arizona, it's a huge matchup every year. Much anticipated one between Arizona and Arizona State. Huge rivals, but for the Wildcats, they got the biggest win in the entire history of that rivalry, they beat Arizona State by 45 points, 105 to 60. In the Lone Star State, it's number three Houston over Texas, 82 to 61, and number seven North Carolina over Virginia Tech, 96 to 81. As for the professional ranks, All Star Weekend is here. The game will take place later Sunday evening. Saturday featured all of the skills and uh, other competitions. The dunk contest, Mac McClung winning it. He jumped over Shaq to get the game or the contest winning dunk, uh, improving, uh, impressing the judges, uh, jumping over a uh, 7-2 a giant. Uh, the three-point contest, Damian Lillard winning it for the second year in a row. The skills challenge goes to Team Pacers. And we had that uh, much-anticipated matchup in that three-point challenge between Steph Curry and Sabrina Unescu, and Steph Curry wins it, but uh, he barely edges out Sabrina, 29-26 in that three-point challenge. The big event of the day, scheduled at least, is the Daytona 500. However, there is rain in the forecast for the east coast of Florida, so we'll see uh, if they can get this race in at all today. It is scheduled to air over on Fox, but yesterday's Xfinity Series opener postponed until Monday morning. Back to you guys. Thanks, Kev. See you in about an hour. Now, maybe it was just a bad hire. That's right around the corner. Of course, we're live for the TireRack.com studios. And uh, I would say this. I guess Bucky's coming up right after this, about seven, eight minutes from now. But just two days after the Super Bowl and their overtime loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan, he told reporters that he expects all of his coaches back this coming season. Now, on Wednesday of this past week, Shanahan informed those reporters that the 49ers were parting ways with defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. Maybe uh, Steve Wilkes just uh, was the scapegoat here. I don't know. A year ago, uh, Kyle Shanahan gave Wilkes a second chance. Wilkes, as you know, was fired as head coach of the Cardinals two years ago. Now defensive coordinator for the 49ers, and uh, he's gone. What, was it a basic uh, scapegoat situation? I, I don't know. A scapegoat for the loss? What do you think about that? Because a lot of these players on the 49ers said they weren't prepared. Nick Bosa said in postgame the defense was not prepared well enough to defend Mahomes running the football. Come on, really? I mean, that's an excuse. It's on, And he blames it on the coach finger-pointing right there. And I got to believe as soon as people heard that, bye-bye Steve Wilkes. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say a few different things. Um, Steve Wilkes is a great uh coach she's someone i've known for a long time i would say this was a uh a poor pairing from the jump what cal shanahan wanted was cal shanahan wanted to retain the system that the san francisco 49ers had been using successfully under robert sala and then again under D'Amico ryans that system which is a, a version of the hybrid system that pete carroll famously created in seattle their their hybrid cover three which is uh, zone principles with with some man-to-man concepts layered in it 
Steve Wilkes comes from a completely different system. Steve Wilkes is what they call a quarters coverage guy. Steve Wilkes, his background is in the defensive backs. The guys previously who had manned the defensive coordinator position were linebacker coaches who also were very entrenched with the defensive line. Uh, the best players for the 49ers are among their front seven. So you talk about Nick Bosa, you talk about Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, Eric Armstead, all those guys play up front, right? Either the D-line or the linebacker unit. Because Wilkes' comfort zone is in the secondary, he tends to gravitate to those guys. And what happened, you had a disconnect, right? The players wanted someone who was a little more, I would say, communicative with them down in the trenches, didn't worry so much about the back end. And then you had Kyle Shanahan, who was basically asking Steve Wilkes to call a defense that he's unfamiliar with. It's, it's, it's like me dropping you in Mexico um, and having you do like uh, having you speak Spanish the entire time, whether you know it or not. And so mm-hmm. as you're trying to master the language, like there are going to be some hiccups along the way. And unfortunately for Steve Wilkes, the San Francisco 49ers and their fan base didn't grant him the grace to allow him to work through those things. Despite finishing with the third-ranked scoring defense, despite um, look having solid numbers at the top of the charts, the team that was really the number one defense for a, a big part of the season, it wasn't enough for them. And so now what they can do is they can either promote someone internally who will go along and get along better with what Kyle Shanahan wants for the vision of the team, someone who would also get along better maybe with the coaches, I mean the coaches and the players that they have. Um, it was just a bad matchup. And so that's why they moved off of Steve Wilkes. It's unfortunate because I felt like he did a good job but he's really thrust into a no-win situation. You know, you mentioned Robert Saylor, who now is a coach of the Jets. He was a defensive coordinator and went to the Jets. After that, Domeco Ryans, I think he was the linebacker coach there, and now he's uh, with the Texans right now in Houston. Uh, I guess that maybe Wiltz was not the guy they wanted anyway. I think, wasn't there some talk that they wanted Vic Fangio, who basically ended up in Miami with the Mm -hmm. Dolphins? He was the guy they really wanted. Yeah, he did. But even with, with Vic, it would have been a different style of defense. I mean, it wouldn't have been what they had. Like, what they didn't believe, they didn't believe that they had the people on the current coaching staff that could command the room because they were young and inexperienced. So they wanted a, an experienced guy as the leader, but they wanted him to run um, their defense. So imagine, um, Andy, we're going to give you a radio show, but you're going to run it under the format that the bosses want as opposed to the way that you've done it for years. That's a hard deal to kind of like get someone out their comfort zone. And so that's why I say it was, look, it was a poor matchup from the jump. Um, It's unfortunate that that Wilkes was dismissed at, after going to a Super Bowl, but I understand the rationale for Kyle Shanahan, but it's going to be a hard role for anybody to fill. But I'm going to say this. The San Francisco 49ers won't be right until their players take more accountability for their own shortcomings. This is a team, despite we talk about um, the talent on their roster, there's some flaws that show, particularly in the back end. So as great as we can talk about their, their pass rush, their front, and all that being, because what they want to do is they want to rush four, drop seven, and allow that – front four to dominate over time. Well, if you're going to put it on them, then they need to dominate. I didn't see them dominate in the Super Bowl outside of the first quarter. They All eyes are now on the defense and the personnel because if this next person comes and they don't play to the high level, they can't keep blaming the coaches. At some point, you got to blame the players. 
You know, it's funny because you got to feel for Steve Wilkes. I mean, I think he got screwed in Arizona. He should have got the head coaching job there and kept that job. He did a good job. And then after that, now he's a scapegoat here in San Francisco. And look, he came into a difficult situation anyway, following those two defensive guys. And also, as you mentioned, up front, the 49ers were loaded defensively. The guys like Boza and, and Warner, I mean, these guys are top-notch guys, so I guess they expect so much. The expectations were there, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And like, he's a scapegoat. I mean, they're lost. They blamed it on him. When a player says we weren't prepared, bingo, you're gone. And basically he's gone. Not good. Yeah, they, they, they weren't prepared. But I would say this. This is a classic case of when players don't buy into what the coach is saying. It is very obvious and apparent that Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, and those guys didn't buy into what Steve Wilkes was selling. Uh, players didn't like to be pushed out of their comfort zone. Everyone wants to wear those same comfortable shoes that they've been in. And rather than embrace maybe a little change, uh, something that might have enhanced what they were doing, they bristled at it. And so – uh, if you don't get forward buying for the players, it's hard to have a level of success in the national, a high level of success in the National Football League. And the 49ers, top players, their blue chip players, didn't buy into what Steve Wilson was saying. No doubt about that. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. We are Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. It's time for the pro to take center stage. Why? Ask Bucky is next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Bucky coming right up. It's about 11 minutes now before the top of the hour. This is Fox Sports Sunday. He is Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman, and we're live from the Tyrac.com studios. And away we go. Are you ready? Here we go with Ask Bucky. Okay, here's the question. Let's do it. 
Is it better to join for a college now? Is it better to join a major conference and maybe lose and get your brains knocked out, but you get that big money? Or is it better to become a power and dominate as a mid-major? And I say Gonzaga is a pretty good example. I would say it's better to be a big fish in a small pond. I'd rather dominate at a major level than to just kind of languish at the bottom of a Power 5 conference. I'm so happy to hear you say that, really, because you're living in the greater Cincinnati area. I see the University of Cincinnati. They moved to the Big 12. They're getting the big money. I know that about that, but it's going to be very hard for them over the years to compete in basketball. It's the number one basketball conference in the country against the Kansases and Oklahomas. I mean, and, and they were in the AAC for a long time, and they dominated. You know, they were going to NCAA tournaments. Now it's uh, take the check, but you're going to stay home and watch the games on TV. All right. How would you change the overtime rule in football if you could? I wouldn't change it. I think it's fine. I think we make too much of it. At some point, uh, now that both teams are guaranteed of getting at least one possession, that's it. There's, there's nothing else to debate. At some point, you either got to make plays or, I mean, you got to make plays. So I, I wouldn't change anything. There's too, too many tweaking uh, based on hurt feelings. People have to make plays. You got to be account- accountable for that part of it. Good for you. I like that, too. Caitlin Clark became the all-time women's scorer in college the other evening. How would Caitlin Clark do if she played with the men? And how is she going to do when she goes to the pros? Uh, I mean, Caitlin Clark is a phenomenal player. I love watching her play. Um, I don't think you could put her in the NBA and she would have like a high level of success. I think the physicality would wear her down. In the WNBA, I think she's going to be very similar to what she is at Iowa. She's playing against better players all the time, but she's a proven scorer. You don't score the number of points that she is scoring throughout her career and not be a good player. I think she'll have a high level of success in the WNBA. Yeah, I think she's going to probably come back and play at Iowa again, don't you think? I mean, if the NIL is treating her right, yeah, if the NIL is treating her right, yeah, why not? Yeah, she got some pretty good sponsors. I saw that on TV the other night, so I think she may come back. They don't pay that much in the WNBA. She's probably making more money in NIL at Iowa. Really, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, unless she wants to go overseas. There you go. All right, give me three reasons why the National Football League is the country's most popular sport. Why is it? Uh, Extremely competitive. Uh, they've done a really good job of making sure that every team has an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, so you can always buy into hope. Uh, the NFL has done a great job of marketing the team over players. As people, we always want to be a part of the tribe because the NFL, going all the way back to the 60s, has done a really good job of selling the team. That's worked. And then just look the excitement of the players. We've never had better players in our league than we have right now. You look at the quarterbacks that are playing in this league, being able to get it done. All of those things contribute to the fact that this is the number one sport in the game. Now, can you also add to your list that gambling is a big factor why it's popular? You know, and I'm talking about even fantasy football because it gets people to know who the players are. I've gone to games and I've heard people at a Cincinnati Bengal game locally, uh, they're rooting for the opposition. I turn around in the stands and say, what's, what's up? So I had that guy in my fantasy league. You know, that's what they do. I mean, so I yeah, I think I think that that certainly has contributed to the success. Like fantasy football and gambling have added elements to the game that everyone is tuning in. And let's be honest, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey yeah. has also upped the ante because now you have more casual uh, female fans that are tuning in because of their romance, and that continues to add more attention to the league. 
And don't you think less games is a big factor? I mean, you've got 162 ball games in baseball. I think it's just too much, too long. Where football, once a week, it's perfect. Only 17 games, and every game means so much. Yes. Fewer games, every game matters. The urgency is there. And so you see guys play hard. You don't have an opportunity to really do the load management thing like you do in uh, basketball and even in baseball. Okay, can the UFL reach that level as the NFL when they start in March? No, they can't. The best they can hope for is to be a developmental league. Wow. So uh, we, we say baseball will still take priority over the UFL. Now, Bucky Brooks, Andy Furman, we're going to take a peek at what's next in the NFL. That and so much more where Fox Sports Sunday right here. Next, the future is here. And it's right around the corner. He is Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. We're Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. And unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, Buck, let's talk about some stuff right now. You talk about... Sports on TV for a second. And maybe your philosophy is a little different than mine. Sometimes we have to watch various games because we know we're going to talk about it. But then there's a point in time when you want to watch it and you know you may not talk about it, but you still want to watch it anyway. And I'm talking about maybe women's basketball in particular, Caitlin Clark, and maybe even last night the Serena Steph three-point shootout in the NBA games that they have, the prelim uh, festivities before the All-Star game today. Is that the way you do it as well? I mean, I'll watch a a game or an event. I know we're probably not going to talk about it, but still I want to see it, and I wanted to see Caitlin Clark break that record the other day. Well, I'm a sports fan, so I'm going to watch anything, and I love women's hoops, so I would check that out regardless of whether we were going to talk about it or not. I think sometimes um, players can have a gravitational pull on your viewership. And where you want to watch it. And I look, fell in love with watching Caitlin Clark last year during the regular season and the tournament. You want to follow her because she's a really good player and I like the way Iowa plays. So I would, I would have tuned in. But it, it has been great to see the women's game get so much tension and so much attention and notoriety. Uh, it's been outstanding because what you want is you want people to have the same interest in women's sports that they have in some men's sports and so basketball has been a great thing and so when you look at the numbers you look at how the ratings have gone when it comes to women's basketball you can see why some networks have been all in on broadcasting these games because it's an exciting product to watch I will tell you this right now. I would say that because of Caitlin Clark, the women's game right now is getting more notoriety and may even be more popular than the men's game right now. And uh, I, I looked at the women's game. I think it was on Fox primetime a week ago Saturday they were on. I watched the Nebraska mm-hmm. game. They lost a heartbreaker against Nebraska. And obviously the game that she won, uh, that she broke the record the other night, which I think was on Peacock. I mean, the ratings are unbelievable. And more than that, the crowds. I saw the game against Ohio mm-hmm. State when Ohio State beat them and they stormed the court. They, the Women are getting better crowds at Ohio State than the men. No doubt about that. And they just fired the men's coach. I mean, they're not doing well. So the, the women's basketball is taking a front seat. And you got to thank Caitlin Clark for doing that. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, now this Thursday night, Iowa is playing at Indiana, which is not too far from me in Bloomington. I'm thinking of driving out there to see that game. I want to see her play in person. Yeah, that's cool. Now, I want to I want to do this, though. I don't want to make it where Caitlin Clark is the sole reason why women's basketball is flourishing. She's been a nice face. She's been someone that um, 
middle America can gravitate towards and that stuff. But there are a lot of great uh, women's players that are playing throughout the country. You think about the job that Dawn Staley has done at South Carolina, their perennial power. Uh, UConn is not what it is, but you always want to pay attention to her. Paige Buecher has been uh, great in terms of doing that. On the West Coast, you see the teams that are flourishing and thriving down in Arizona. So there are a lot of people that have really helped elevate the sport. She's just the face of the sport right now. But there are a ton of great women that are out there making contributions, making sure that everyone is paying attention to the work that they have done. I hate to throw out the term GOAT, and I don't usually do that. I'm not going to say Caitlin Clark is the GOAT, but here's the thing. I read this the other day, and it Mm. said that in order for Caitlin Clark to be the GOAT, to be the greatest, she has to win a title, and I think that's garbage. I don't think you have to win a title to be the greatest in any sport. I just don't think you have to. I think at one point in time, people would have said that Dan Marino may have been the greatest quarterback of all time. I think he's the godfather of the forward pass, never won a Super Bowl. I, I think that's ridiculous, and people judge players on that. I mean, I don't think that Eli Manning is the greatest quarterback of all time, but he has won two Super Bowls. And he'll probably be in the Hall of Fame, but certainly he's far from being the GOAT. Yeah, no, but I think that that has something to do with it. I mean, you know, like we are a ring culture. We believe in rings. We believe in wins. We respect those that can win. That's a lot of times the separating mark between uh, good and great. Uh, I th- Look. I know everyone is going to be quick to talk about her being the GOAT, but I just think that we need to just do a little history lesson. I think people need to dig in the, the crates. They can Google Cheryl Miller and look at what Cheryl Miller <laughs> did uh, for the women of Troy and how she played the game. You can look at Cheryl Swoops and what she was able to do and, and, and Tanya Cooper and those. There have been several great women. She is, uh, Caitlin Clark, is among the more Rushmore of women basketball players that have dominated the collegiate game. But we have to be careful because I know we have a recency bias where we like to think that what happens now is the best that has ever happened. And I think there are a lot of great women that should also get recognition for their contributions to the game. I hear you. Well said. There you go. Now, we talk about, uh, and ask Bucky, we say, why is the NFL so popular? And say, number one, I think perhaps one of the reasons the NFL never sleeps. That's why it's so popular. There's always something going on. You know, there's the draft, you know, the the training camps. I mean, whatever it may be, there's always something going on in the NFL. And I I don't know if it's created that way or we're going to find out what's going on. You don't see that in other sports. You know, even in baseball, their biggest day should be the induction of the whole Hall of Fame. It's usually on a Sunday and more often than not, there are baseball games being played that day, which is the dumbest thing in the world. If it's that big of a deal, people going into your Hall of Fame, you know, reserve that day for a Hall of Fame day and have everybody not play, but they play that day, which I think is dumb. Football has it done correctly. I mean, they, they have everything perfect. The Hall of Fame is in August. They have a game following that. It's a reserve day. It's perfect the way they have it laid out. So, you know, you have this NFL.com column, which I read on Fridays, and obviously uh, the draft is the next thing. The draft Mm -hmm. is probably bigger than baseball opening day. I I really believe that it may very well be. And and you figured it out by position on NFL.com, and let's talk about some of the players you had. Let's start with the quarterbacks because everybody loves quarterbacks. Number one, how do you do it? How do you separate your picks? You do it by height, stats, the college they played in, uh, the years they played in college. How did you do this? 
Um, when it comes to top five, I, I, I would do it just like uh, when I'm working for a team. And when you're working for a team, what you do is you, you take a, all those prototypes, all the physical dimensions and those things, and they have a bucket, and you rank those guys according to that bucket. But then you have to look at how people play. And then the final part is how do they project as pros? Just because you dominate at a collegiate level doesn't mean that your game is going to translate well to the National Football League. And so you take all of those things, you kind of uh, swirl it around around together and then you make a grade and you have a grading skill that kind of reflects how you expect a player to play at the next level. Okay, you say as quarterback, the number one quarterback is Caleb Williams. So that means in your mind, Bucky Brooks, he will be the first player picked in the draft, probably go to the Chicago Bears. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that. So I think the, the big distinguishing factor for me when it comes to top fives is I'm grading in general. When you work for a team, you grade based on what your team specific criteria is. To me, Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in this draft. Now, if he fits what the Bears are looking for at the position, he should be the first overall pick. But there's a difference between top five lists and mock drafts. Mock drafts are what you think teams are going to do. Top fives are what you think about the player. And so there's a difference in that. Okay, now Caleb Williams is a junior, and you have number two, it's uh, Jaden Daniels from LSU. He's a senior. If I'm drafting right now, and these two guys maybe are very similar in height, strength, weight, or the way they throw the football, whatever it may be, I may want to go with the senior who's had more experience under his belt. We've seen in the past, you know, more often than not, coming to the NFL, uh, if you have more years under your belt playing college football, you may have more success in the NFL. I mean, that can be a slight consideration, but you can't allow the experience to outweigh the, the talent, the intangibles, and some of the other criteria that, that you put in there when you're evaluating the position. Uh, experience does matter. We have seen of late the guys that have entered the league with a ton of experience have had a lot of success. I think Brock Purdy's kind of like the poster child for some of that stuff in terms of the amount of starts that he had at Iowa State and how it translated well uh, to the National Football League. Uh, but it doesn't mean that someone who's a four or fifth year player is going to have that kind of success in the National Football League. You got to have the talent. The talent is everything, and then you have to make sure that you get the other factors as well. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at some of these mock drafts as we speak, and we have many of them picking Caleb Williams going to the Bears, the number one pick. Number two, your North Carolina guy, Drake May, going to the Commanders, and Jaden Daniels going to the New England Patriots as three. Why would they flip-flop that, and why do you like Jaden Daniels over a Drake May? Well, the reason why I would, I would, I would flip-flop, we, I have it flip-flopped, is because I love Drake May. Obviously, he's a Tar Heel uh, his dad was a GA at Carolina when I was there. Family's great, competitive. Luke May, one of his older brothers, played at Carolina, hit big shots for the Tar Heels basketball team. So he gets it. His intangibles are off the charts. Great kid, yes sir, no sir kid. Great, um, I would say, leadership ability and connectivity with his teammates. The issue that I have with Drake May is Jane Daniels was a better player on the field than Drake May. Drake May has outstanding tools. He has outstanding talent, but he didn't consistently put it together, particularly in big games. So when it comes to the evaluation, what you would have to do to say that Drake May is better than Jane Daniels, you would have to project that based on his prototypical height, arm talent, athleticism, uh, 
those things are going to allow him to play better as a pro than he did as a collegian because as a collegian, Jaden Daniels outplayed him. Jaden Daniels as a dual-threat playmaker got it done at a high level at LSU and Arizona State before that. Uh, just because of the performance on the field, that's why Jaden Daniels gets the nod over Drake May, even though I can say both are outstanding NFL prospects. Okay, and then you go down to two more quarterbacks, I guess, are worthy of consideration. J.J. McCarthy, the uh, junior in Michigan, and uh, Michael Penix Jr., the senior from Washington. And I'm looking at some mock, mock drafts again, as I mentioned. Uh, the number 11 pick, it looks like the Minnesota Vikings are going for J.J. McCarthy. And I don't see I don't see Michael Penix there. I mean, what's, what's happening there? I don't see him anywhere until way, way down on the list. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at needs, mm-hmm. and maybe some teams just don't need a quarterback. But uh, Michael Penix had a tremendous college career, and I don't see his name anywhere in the top, in the first round. I don't see him in the first yeah. round there in this mock draft. So he's a polarizing prospect, and part of the polarization is due to the injuries. He had four season-ending injuries during his time at Indiana and Washington, respectively. That has scared off some people. He also is, look, a left-handed quarterback who does it from the pocket, uh, doesn't necessarily move around like some of the quarterbacks that you've seen of late, like where we now are having a craze where we'd love the athletic quarterback because it enhances what you can do in your playbook. And people wonder if he will be able to sustain himself in the National Football League when it comes to a production standpoint, playing in a system where they push the ball down the field like they did at Washington. Can he play outside of that? But if you just look at him and watch him throw the ball, he may be the best pure passer in the, the draft in terms of just throwing the ball from the grassy knoll and letting it rip, he can spin it like no other. People are worried, and look, that's the beauty of scouting. The, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. If you want someone who can rip it and deliver from the system, he look, he's on point when it comes to being able to throw in rhythm. But he's not going to give you the other stuff, the improvisational stuff. That's not going to be his, his, his bag. But he's a terrific player. He was terrific throughout his time at, at UW. Uh, he deserves to be considered as a, a top pick. Okay, let me make the argument here. If, if I'm drafting on the 11th pick for the Minnesota Vikings, I really would certainly want to have Michael Penix over J.J. McCarthy. Why? I got a guy by the name of Justin Jefferson, and Penix could deliver the ball to him where I'm not so certain J.J. McCarthy could do that. He's got a different skill set. I've taken Penix over J.J. McCarthy. Am I nuts? Uh, No, I will say this. J.J. McCarthy is the wild card of the draft. And the reason he's the wild card is because he checks off a lot of boxes when it comes to the prototypical dimensions, the arm talent, the athleticism, leadership ability, winning pedigree, won a ton at Michigan. What you don't have is um, a, a, a huge sample size of him having to carry that offense. That offense in Michigan was one that was ground-based. Blake Corn was the driving force of the offense. Everything kind of came off of the running game. Can J.J. McCarthy play outside of that? Uh, to me, it reminds me of when I used to look at Justin Herbert at Oregon. And Mario Cristobal had Justin Herbert playing in a very conservative offense because he didn't have anybody behind him. Didn't run him, didn't utilize his legs until the Pac-12 championship game and then in the Rose Bowl. And when you looked at those games, you saw a different type player. J.J. McCarthy, to me, falls into that camp. We haven't seen what he could be at the next level, but all of the uh, tools and traits kind of lead you to believe that he's going to be a successful NFL player. 
There we go. Hey, by the way, we want to welcome our two new affiliates, the new Fox Sports Radio Jacksonville 930 AM and the new Fox Sports Radio Orlando 97.9 FM and 810 AM. And we look forward to entertaining and informing you each and every day. So welcome the Fox Sports Radio Jacksonville 930 AM and the new Fox Sports Radio Orlando 97.9 FM and 810 AM to the Fox Sports Radio family. Of course, he's Bucky Brooks. Get him on X. Get him on Twitter. At Bucky Brooks. We'll read him. We'll retweet him. Or at Andy Furman FSR. Better yet, we'd love to hear from you at 877-99 on Fox. That translates to 877-996-6369. Bottom barrel betting in this hour. The blame game in hour number three. And, of course, the wacky world of sports in hour number four. But it's a speeding revolution. It really is. That's coming up next live from the Tyrac.com studios. Next. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. How do you slow it down? We'll get to that in just about a minute, about 24 minutes past the hour. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. And by the way, shortly after the show, our podcast will be going up. Yes, if you missed any of today's show, be sure to check out our podcast. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast, And be sure to also follow, rate, and review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast, And you'll see this show posted right after we get off the air, Fox. 
Sports Sunday. That's us. All right, now it's All Star Day today. It's All Star Game in the NBA. Indianapolis Place is uh, having the game. And uh, let's talk All Star Games for a second, Buck. You talk about football. I got to believe there really is not even an All Star Game in football. It's a joke. As great as the National Football League is, they don't really have an All Star Game. I remember back in the day they had the college All Stars play the NFL champions, and that was kind of funny. It was a charitable game in July in Chicago, but that's gone down the tubes. That'll never happen again. But other than that, there really is no all-star game in, in the NFL. Is that correct? You you agree? Yeah, that is correct because, unfortunately, like I know like fans want players to play all-star games at the same intensity and urgency and ferocity that a, a regular season or a playoff game is played, and it just won't happen. It won't happen again. There's too much money at the line, on the line, to a, say that I'm going to go hard in a Pro Bowl when I got free agency that's coming up in a few weeks. If I get hurt in free agency, it's going to impact my money. And so the money is too big now to get an ultra-competitive all-star game. It won't happen. And we've seen that kind of dribble down to the college level with the bowl games where a lot of the college players feel the same way as the NFL players of the, the All-Star game scenario. Really, they don't want to get hurt in a bowl game for fear of like losing big money getting drafted in the NFL. We've seen that going down the crapper, too. That's what's happening. Yeah, that, that has certainly happened. And, you know, it's, you're weighing the risk-reward game when it comes to it. We all know the the injury rates. We all know the risk that comes along with playing football. Uh, Is the reward of being an all-star and and, and playing in a Pro Bowl and maybe getting a Pro Bowl MVP, is it worth the risk that you're taking uh, when it comes to free agency and the big books that could come in that? And I don't have to say, if you take all the all-star games and put them all together, probably the best all-star game is the baseball all-star game. It's a, a tradition-wise. And The only problem I have with the baseball all-star game is I don't think every team has to be represented. I, you know, you, you don't have to be – if your team is like uh, the uh, – give an example, maybe the Oakland A's. You really don't have an all-star on that team. You're losing close to 120 ball games. I don't think every team should have an all-star. That's just my take. You know, to get the mm. best guys you have, and maybe some teams will have three or four, and some teams don't have any. That's just the way it is. You don't have to be represented by every team. That's just my take on it. Maybe they'll do that. But let's get back to the NBA. Let's talk about what they're doing in the NBA. Sometimes that All-Star game, to me, is a joke. I've been to one NBA All-Star game. I was planning on going maybe today because Indianapolis isn't too far, but I'm not going to go because I think it's just a joke. I mean, I would have to say the over and under, the over probably be over 350. They just score at will. They don't play any defense. I guess people love scoring. I guess that's why they do it. Uh, They don't play any defense at all. They really don't. It's kind of a joke. Yeah, I mean, it is a joke, but it's an exhibition. And so what you're doing is you're just letting people go up and down, show off their skills, and have at it that way. Once again, the money and, and, and the stuff is is too great, too significant to really go hard at an all-star game where you could injure yourself and it impacts your ability to really increase your bottom line. As a result, you get these games that you're getting, shooting exhibitions where guys are just kind of scooting up and down the court. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it where it's a fourth-quarter fair. Um, Can we get them to play hard in the fourth quarter? They've done some things to kind of enhance that. But, yeah, man, you can't look at it for that. You're going to an all-star game, you're looking at an all-star game just for the sheer entertainment of seeing your best players. Uh, the league's best players. You're not going to evaluate if this guy surpassed this guy in terms of other stuff. Okay, I, I, w- I did some history. I went back. In the 2014-2015 season, NBA teams averaged 105.6 points a game. This year, they're averaging 115.9 a game. 
you know, maybe there are better shooters. Maybe they're shooting more. Maybe they're playing less defense. I don't really have the reason. But is that good? Is it bad? I think that people love the long ball in baseball, so they got more home runs. I think people love points. I really do. I don't think they want to see a game, you know, 76-72. They want to see 115. We've had games this year, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, was Indiana 157, Atlanta 152. You know, the games have become a mockery, but I think people love points and they want to see scoring. Do you agree? Yeah, points are everything because people can follow offense much better than defense. And so there's a greater appreciation for being able to score points. It's a more exciting product to watch on TV when you see offenses dominate. And so it continue to be that way. It's just the nature of remembering that sports are entertainment and you're going to keep most people engaged if they see the scoreboard lighting up. It's unbelievable. Luka Doncic already scored 73 points in a game this year. Four players have scored 70 or more points in a game this year. Devin Booker, 62, and he goes down for 44. He plays for the Phoenix Suns. Steph Curry, 46 in a game. Anthony Simons, 43 for Portland. P.J. Washington, 43 on just 22 shots for Charlotte. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, 70 points he hit for the 76ers. I just think that scoring that many points, it shouldn't be that easy. And there shouldn't be that many people doing it. Yeah, I think it waters it down. You know, I just... Maybe, I, I, maybe, the talent, maybe the talent is just that good when it comes to winning the one-on-ones, being able to get to the bucket. We're seeing skilled players that have more tools in the toolbox than yesteryear. We're seeing, I mean, Wimby, 7'5", Big, who really is a guard in his body in terms of the way he handles handles yeah. the ball and those things. The, the evolution of the game is such that it's hard to stop people one on one. No, I agree. I, and you're it's, seeing it's, guys it's, that are six foot nine playing deal. the guard position. Yeah. You know, you never yeah. saw that before. There's a stat here that'll blow your mind. Teams are scoring 52% of the time when they have possession. That's an amazing stat. And I think you're onto something over there. I mean, there are better players. Uh, it's harder to stop them. They are playing defense, but these guys are just tremendous ball players. And certainly the three-point shot not only has made the difference, but they're a little more accurate now taking threes. That, that's a question there, too. I, I, when I see 157, 152, there's something wrong there. But I don't, I don't mind in the 115s and the 120s. The 150, that's, uh, and that'll probably be the score today. They'll, they'll score over 150 points in the All-Star game today. I'm sure they will. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's up and down, fast pace. You got a three ball in there. The three ball has become uh, what used to be a luxury shot. It's become a, a, look, a, a, a mandatory shot, a necessity shot. You have to yeah. have the three ball in your game. And when teams started swapping threes for twos, it changed the dynamic of the game. And that's why we're seeing the points escalate. That's why we're seeing the ebbs and flows. And so many teams get blown out one night but then blow somebody out the next night. The three-pointer. Uh, has changed the game. And for offensive uh, sports, it, it has certainly enhanced the game and allowed us to look at players and playmakers and shooters differently. There you go. All right. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. We are Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Now, coming up next, this seems like a real strange hire. That's next. But first, a man who's really strange himself, Kevin Wyatt, with all your sports. Oh, that's an understatement right there, the understatement of the week. There you go. <laughs> As uh, the NBA, uh, it's a pretty strange event they have there at the All-Star Game. I mean, no defense played at all. It's a scoring affair for both sides. How, how many points can you score in one game? And we'll see later tonight when the Eastern and Western uh, Conference's best uh, square off. 
in Indianapolis. They did have the dunk contest, the three-point contest, the skills challenge on Saturday. Mac McClung winning the slam dunk contest. He jumped over Shaq to get the uh, contest-winning dunk. Uh, the judge is incredibly impressed by the fact he jumped over uh, that 7-2 giant. Uh, the three-point contest went to Damian Lillard and the one featuring Steph Curry, Sabrina Ionescu, had Curry winning it, but barely. 29-26, the final score uh, in their three-point challenge. The skills contest uh, went to Team Pacers. In the college ranks, much-anticipated matchup. Top five, Big East. Number one, UConn. Number four, Marquette. But the Huskies, an absolutely dominating performance. They won 81-53. to Fifth-ranked Arizona in a huge rivalry game against Arizona State, and they get the biggest win in the history of that long-standing rivalry as they win it by 45 points, 105-60. to In the Lone Star State, number three, Houston, 82-61 winners over Texas. Kansas trailed at halftime but ends up winning it by 10 anyway against number 25, Oklahoma, 67-57. to In the ACC, both teams on Tobacco Road in the top 10 winning – on Saturday, North Carolina over Virginia Tech, 96-81. Ninth-ranked Duke tops Florida State, 76-67. Number 10, Iowa State, 82-74 winners over Texas Tech. Number 11, South Carolina blowing it against LSU. They were up by 16 points at one time in the second half and end up losing it 64-63. to Number 13, Auburn, suffers their first home loss of the season as number 22, Kentucky, who has struggled at home themselves but on the road seemed like a much better team and they're able to win it 70-59. to Number 14, Illinois, 85-80, winners over Maryland. Number 15, Alabama, blows out Texas A&M 100-75. And Indiana State, they were in the rankings for the first time since Larry Bird played for them in the late 70s and the 23rd ranked Sycamores though uh, probably not going to be in the top 25 after losing to uh, Southern Illinois and in NASCAR Beginning of the season today, Daytona 500, although motorsports fans might have to wait just a little bit longer, there is rain in the forecast for the east coast of Florida, so we'll see if they can fit that race in today. If it does happen, it'll be seen over on Fox, but as for the Xfinity Series race that was supposed to happen on Saturday, that has been postponed until Monday morning. Back to you guys. Guys, Kev, see you in about an hour now. He's going back home. That's right around the corner. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman with Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. And we're live from the TireRack.com studios. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Daytona 500 today in NASCAR. I think it's the only sport where the major event starts the season. Usually have a crescendo going to like these big events, playoffs, all-star games, whatever it may be. But in NASCAR, the big event starts the season off. It's kind of strange, really. It's kind of backwards as far as I'm concerned. What do you think about that? I never thought yeah, it is bad. Yeah. Yeah, it is backwards. Yeah, it is backwards. Having grown up in NASCAR country, like it's it's weird to have your Super Bowl at the beginning, and then all the other stuff come behind it. But great race. It's unfortunate that it's raining. Hopefully, they'll be able to get that thing in. There we go. Bottom barrel betting coming up. I say about six, seven minutes from now. Now, over the last three years, let's talk football for a second. The Dallas Cowboys defense they ranked seventh. They were tied for fifth, and then they were fifth in points allowed. 
They totaled uh, the NFL best 93 takeaways, all right? Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. He's gone now. He left to become the head coach of the Washington Commanders. Mike Zimmer is now the new defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. He had that same job from 2000 to 2006, then he was the head coach of the Vikings. So the question is, why does Zimmer get the nod over guys like Rex Ryan and Ron Rivera? And I was really surprised that Rex Ryan's name was even in the mix. Relationships are everything. Uh, Zimmer had a previous relationship with the Jerry Jones family. Um, he knows how to operate within that system, within that structure. And so they don't want to rock the boat. I talked in the first hour about how San Francisco didn't want to rock the boat, didn't want to upset the apple cart when they brought in a new voice. Well, the same for the Cowboys. Mike Zimmer, you know what it is when you walk in the building. You know how we get down. You know what the expectations are. Your job is to uh, adjust accordingly so we can have a lot of success. He understands that. He buys into that. He shouldn't have an issue with what um, they're doing on the other side of the ball. He's going to focus on making sure that this team is a tougher team at the line of scrimmage and make sure that they're pretty sound in what they do on defense. It's kind of funny because uh, when the hire was made, the Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy said competing against Zimmer's Vikings was the most difficult preparation he had during his time with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, really? Mm-hmm. You believe in that? I mean, I understand you want to I kind do. of – you do? Okay, tell me why. Why? why yeah, why? I can't because, because as a defensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer does a lot of uh, exotic stuff that will throw you off. So he's known for Everyone talks about Brian Flores and what Brian Flores does with the cover zero um, stuff that he's kind of popularized first in Miami, now up in Minnesota. Well, Mike Zimmer does something that's similar. He does what they call the double A-gap mug. So he'll take two linebackers and placed him on the right and the left of the offensive center. And what that does is that creates a lot of chaos because if those two guys blitz, you got to figure out who's going to block those two guys inside. The center can take one, but who's taking number two? If they put the guard down to do it, well, then there could be someone sitting on a guard's outside shoulder. He steps down and creates a, a, a lane for someone else to get there. Because of the, the threat of six and seven man pressures he can really force you to shrink your playbook just trying to survive that part of it um it's a brilliant strategy it's one that he's used for years it's one that really confounds offenses around the league and you better have a plan for it you better have multiple plans because he'll attack uses it in a variety of ways Wow. And the Cowboys had two finalists for the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Michael Parsons and, of course, the quarterback Duran, quarterback, quarterback uh, Duran Bland. He set an NFL record with five interception returns for touchdowns. What kind of pressure does that put on a defensive coordinator? Because he knows he's got some expectations. That he's got some great players on the defensive side of the ball. they got to produce. And if they don't, it's on you. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. We talked about Steve Wilkes stepping into a situation like that in San Francisco. When you... Uh, inherit a, 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 a team that has some blue chip players, players that have played at a high level, players that have played at a high level on the defense that's played at a high level. Uh, everyone is looking at you. So everything that you say, everything that you say that is different than their predecessor, you're going to have to spend time convincing them that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. Now, I, I don't know how well you know Mike Zimmer, but there was a former player by the name of Darren Woodson. He said that Zimmer has an edge to him that the players will have to adjust to. What does that mean? Tough to get along with? Uh, uh, no, nah, he's, old, he's, he's old school. And the term that they use for coaching like that, he coaches them hard. 
meaning high levels of accountability. Uh, he's going to give you the message where you want to hear it or not. And he may give it to you with a lot of volume. So you can't uh, allow how the message is delivered to take away from what the message is. And so if it's yelling and screaming and forcefully uh, putting you in your place, he's going to do that. Uh, There's some that believe that all the positivity with Dan Quinn is great, but maybe some of the complacency that we saw kind of pop up with the Cowboys, particularly in the postseason, was due to mm, Quinn not necessarily pushing them to the line. Well, Mike Zimmer's going to push them to the line and dare them to step over the line. That's what he does. And he's always done it. And the thing that would be good for the Cowboys, he doesn't care who you are because he's coached, he's coached great players throughout his time. So some of the players like maybe Michael Parsons or Deron Bland, if those guys have kind of been cutting corners when it comes to the preparation and the practice process, uh, he'll, he'll let it be known real quickly. That's not, that's not how we do things around here. So you know, I've yeah. all the place. I hear you, I, but I've always believed that players can see through a coach. What do I mean by that? That if you're one of those guys that has a big mouth and you like to drop the f bomb and you're kind of crazy and you're loud, they, they know that's you. You're not putting on a show. And Dan Campbell's that kind of guy. You know, we saw that in Hard Knocks. He's he he doesn't hold back. But you cannot fake it by being loud and, and cursing all the time. If really that's not mm-hmm. you. You can't do it. I mean, you, you've had coaches that mm-hmm. you just curse, and you, you'd shake your head and say, what, what's he doing? That's not, that's not his genetic makeup. That's not really him, right? You can't believe him. You've got to be true to yourself. Yeah, now, players want authenticity. You've got to be your authentic self. So if you're yelling and screaming, you're highly emotional, highly charged, cool. You need to be that every day because you've got to be consistent in your behavior. You can't be cool and calm and chill one day and then high energy or whatever the next. Players want consistency because if you're not consistent, they'll never buy in. For Zimmer, it's not about the cursing. It's not about that. He's an intense coach, but he is going to hold everybody accountable. And the first hour, we talked about some of the lack of accountability that came out of uh, my interpretation of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, There won't be that in Dallas. You won't hear the players talk about, oh, preparation and, oh, we got to play a little harder and those things. He's going to demand that and he's going to call guys out from whoever the top defender is, Michael Parsons, to the worst practice squad member on that team. There's a level of expectation that will be established and if you don't meet the expectation, you're going to hear about it. There you go. Now let's move along for a second to the Atlanta Falcons. They got two quarterbacks in their roster, and also now they have a new offensive coordinator in Zach Robinson. You know, good for him. However, it's the first time of being an offensive coordinator, which to me is not a good situation because you got Taylor Heineken and Desmond Ritter. What do you do? I mean, does Robinson make the call on these quarterbacks? It's going to be a tough call in, in Atlanta. No, it's not going to be a tough call. They're going to get a new quarterback. They don't believe that they have a good enough quarterback to be able to win. The owner wants his version of Matt Ryan right now, franchise quarterback that can lead the uh, franchise to greater heights. They don't believe that Desmond Ritter and Tyler Heineken can do it. So the hunt is on for them to find a franchise quarterback. I want to say they're eighth, picking eighth in the draft. So whether they trade up, whether they find a free agent, uh, uh, whether they conduct a trade, they're going to enter the draft with the intention of making sure they, they solve the quarterback issue. And Zach Robinson will play a big part of that, but uh, it'll be an organizational decision, not just uh, one man making the decision. Sounds good. All right. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. We are Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Now, he's like the Kansas City Chiefs. 
He started a dynasty. He's Bucky Brooks and bottom barrel betting is freaking next. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Bottom barrel betting coming right up. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. We are coming live from the fire from the tireact.com studios. And of course, we got a game to play, so let's play. You got that thing for me? It's bottom. bottom. Oh, really? I thought you was late. Barrel, barrel, you put barrel, my barrel. money to sleep. You go get my money or I'll put your brain to sleep. Yes, it is. And here's the eye man with the results, although I know that he's got the dynasty rolling with Bucky Brooks. He's got a dynasty. <laughs> hey, good morning, guys. Um, yeah, so continuing on with Bucky's dynasty. So uh, the score last week was uh, Bucky 10, Andy 6. So it's actually closer than, than a dynasty. But um, after the Super Bowl edition, really, really the only one of those bets that, that actually was serious was uh, was a player crying during the national anthem or coach and Bucky won that one as Chris Jones did cry during the national he did anthem as soon as he started crying you knew that you knew that I audibly shouted when I saw it I was like oh Bucky wins again um, anyway. <laughs> wait did you think he was going to cry did you think anybody was going to cry honestly I, I, did you? I did it happens I every did. year yeah, I, it happens <laughs> every year it happens during regular season games There's so no for you to think that, that it would happen during a Super Bowl come on Jeez, anyway so. alright we got some more bets to jump in though here uh so cricket we're starting off with uh, oh i love it so favorite sport the molten <laughs> sultans at minus 145 versus the karachi kings at plus 110 andy who you got oh i'm going first I- i'll get the crotch crotch kings the karachi or crotch uh, whatever i'll take the crotch kings oh uh, uh, man it worked out the molten sultans I- i'm all about them i'm all good right. to go with them you've they heard of them sultans? Yeah. no it worked out it, it rhymed Okay. <laughs> okay. Whatever you say. All right. Next, Call of Duty League, more esports. We got the 
Uh, Los Angeles Guerrillas at minus 150 versus the Las Vegas Legion at plus 115. Bucky, you're first. Ooh, what was the name of the first one? Uh, the L.A. Guerrillas. Oh, okay, let's go with those. L.A. Guerrillas. Where are you with that? I'm going with Vegas because, Vegas, I mean, honestly, there's too much going on in L.A. to have a good team in other sports. So Vegas is the team, the rate, the regions, Las Vegas regions. All right, we're going volleyball here. More specifically, it's Italian volleyball. So we got Milano, which uh, their line is just even, versus Verona at minus 140. Andy, you're first. Oh, Milano. Of course, Milano. Of kidding. And okay. Bucky. They're, Verona. They're a top team. Verona. Milano. I'm going to go the other way. Verona, that's easy. All right. Oh, jeez. Next up, junior hockey, the Quebec Junior Hockey League. We got the Moncton Wildcats at minus the 130. The Moncton Wildcats Monk- at minus 130 versus the Halifax Mooseheads at minus 110. Uh, Andy, you're first. <sighs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Halifax. Why? It's a bigger market, more of a chance to, uh, to get better players. And the Mooseheads, I like the name better. So I'm going with Halifax. So you're going to Mooseheads? Yes. Uh, all right. I'm going to Wildcats. All right. Wildcats for Bucky. And last but not least, it is darts again. So we got Michael Smith at minus 132. Wait, we've had him before, haven't we? Have we? Well, he's uh, he's a fixture in the world of darts. Oh, is, is he really? He's at uh, minus 132, and he's facing off against Nathan Aspinall, who's even. Nathan. Okay. Who's up? Uh, Bucky, you're first. Sorry about that. What was the first name? You said we had before. Smith. What's his name? Michael Smith. Okay, I wonder if I went with Michael Smith before. I'm pretty sure I did because he's a fixture. Let's go with Michael Smith again. Let's go with him. All right. I knew you'd take Michael Smith. I would never take that guy. I don't care how good he is. You know why? It's a fake name, and he's a cheater. When you change your name, it's not a real name. Michael Smith, that's the kind of name you sign into a motel with, with a date. Michael Smith, really. Not a real date, not a real be- name. Right? It might have been it might have been a good night for him on date night. You think so? Well, it could very well be, but maybe not in darts. <laughs> He's a cheater, okay? When you change your name, you're a fraud. You're a fake. You're a fraud. You, you're, you're phony. That's what you are. So I'm going with the big name. Nathan Aspen will win this event. That I promise you. Mm. All, right, All right. I'll be back to uh, update you guys with the scores next week. All right. Here we go. By the way, who said this position is extinct? That and so much more. We're Fox Sports Sunday coming up next. This spot is alive and well, and that's coming up next. Good morning, everybody. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman, and we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Buck, we're rocking and rolling right now, and i got to ask a couple of questions as far as the NIL situation going on in college athletics. Back in the day when you were recruited to become a Tar Heel at North Carolina and you were an outstanding college football player, I I guess some of the questions you asked the coaching staff, will I start? How many games are on TV? Who do we play? Were those the main questions or no? I mean, I think those are probably the common questions that you had at have at the time yeah i mean it was pretty basic about starting jersey number um all that other stuff nothing crazy 
today, I think the student athlete would ask the question, how much money will I make and how do I get it? And uh, when do I get it? Is that the deal? I mean, and what do they do? Does a coach go to mom and pop's house to recruit the kid? And does he bring the NIL guy with him, the sponsor? How does that work? And Because and, and, I, I look, I'm watching TV the other day and I see Caitlin Clark and they list the sponsors and the companies that, that she already has. I think State Farm Insurance was a biggie for her. No, the State Farm come to her house and say, look, we'll give you this amount of money if you go to Iowa? How does that work? Or they have agents? Well, now they have agents. Now they have agents. That That's something that has kind of unlocked um, kind of Pandora's box because what, what it does is agents who uh, right now can serve as your NIL or your marketing agent also have this way later to then be the person that represents you when it comes to contracts and those things. And so what it has done is it allowed, it has given uh, agencies a gateway to get to the athletes to be able to have those conversations that they normally wouldn't have until at the end of their eligibility. Now it's happening for guys in high school. And so I'm, I'm anticipating that there are middlemen that are negotiating some of these NIL deals or seeking it out. Teams have collectives where they are raising the money and figuring out how to dole out that money. I believe it's, it's probably more like um, an NFL contract situation where you're scrimmaging things and thoughts and stuff back and forth uh, before you get like the signing done. So basically, a coach has a twofold problem. Number one, to kind of weed out the uh, the A players that you want to recruit, and B, once you kind of zoom in on those guys, you have to sell them on how much money they're going to make. It's kind of, and I think that's why some of these big name coaches like Jay Wright at Villanova and others say, you know what, I've had it. I'm leaving this game. It's a different animal right now, and I don't want to get involved in it. Is that possible? Yeah, it is possible because now what you're hearing to fall out, like Jeff Halfley left uh, Boston College, Chip Kelly uh, left UCLA, and they're saying that you, you're becoming more like uh, NFL general manager and, and less of a on-field coach. And some guys who got into it for coaching only want to coach. They don't want to have to deal with, I would say, the chaos of NIL and constantly negotiating and I won't say recruiting, but constantly negotiating with your players when it comes to money and those things. Until the NCAA or whoever's in charge of football and basketball and these sports, until someone steps up and say, here's the system, here's the thing uh, uh, across the board, what you can, what you can't do, how much you can, how much you cannot pay, uh, until you have like that done, I mean, it's going to be chaotic. And I feel bad for the, the, the lower level, right? Not not the Power 5 schools, but the group of fives, uh, some of the levels below that because it's just becoming a, a thing where you're like a farm system. You're like a triple-A a minor league team where you get guys ready to play, you get them to play at a high level, and then one of the big boys comes through and says, hey, I appreciate the work that you've done here. We will take it from here to help him get to the National Football League. And do, a do lot of college- players are buying that, yeah. Do the colleges have like a an athletic director or someone in the athletic department that would kind of negotiate with potential sponsors of NIL to, to players? And more than that, say, say there's a high school quarterback, a five-star blue-chip recruit, and College X is going after this kid. And uh, and the kid says, okay, I'll, I'll go play for you. I like, I like the conference you're in, but I want $100,000. And the coach, what does the coach do? He goes back to the college athletic department and says, look, we got this kid, but can you get me $100,000 from a sponsor? Is that what they do? 
Well, now you're talking about collectives. So collectives are these groups of either boosters or people outside of the program, and their job is to raise money uh, to, to kind of build up the war chest when it comes to NIL. So you saw after Deshaun Watts, Deshaun Foster was named head coach of UCLA, it was the men of Westwood. That's the collective that's around the program. They mm-hmm. raise money. They put on all that stuff on. And it's almost like having a piggy bank. Uh, there's so much money in the piggy bank, you have to really use discretion when figuring out who to pay and who not to pay and how much you want to pay and those things. Um, I would say that it's probably a, a – a lot of people that are now involved in the process that didn't used to be involved in the football process when it came to recruiting. But I don't think it's healthy. I don't know what you say about that. I just well, don't no, think that. I don't. No, I don't. I don't think it's healthy either. Uh, I, I worry about a few different things. I worry about kids making short-sighted decisions based on the money right now, and not long-term decisions that would be uh, beneficial for them 40 years from now. I think that uh, when you pick a school, and even though we're now kind of shamming the amateurism rule and process. Like, you should pick a school where you want to go, you want to learn, you want to get a degree from, you want to do all those other things, have a great college experience. I am worried about it becoming so much like professional sports that at the end of it, when you're 21, 22 years old, whether you've moved on to the NFL or not, the, the four or five years that should be the best years of your life where you learn and grow so much, you kind of wasted it away because you were so focused on how much money can I make, what can I do, and those things. I just worry about that part for the kids that are involved. Well, I will tell you this, but they would take the term student-athlete, throw it out the window, and the term amateur, they're no longer amateurs. If you're getting the paycheck, you're not an amateur anymore. So, And I guess, you know, like go back to the Caitlin Clark thing, the money she's making, I guess that's renewable every year. Uh, she's making money now, and, and if she comes back to Iowa next year, she'll get that money again. And again, that's going to hurt the pro line because she'd rather stay at, at Iowa at NIL money than go to the WNBA, which the, the salaries probably are, are less than she could make at Iowa as an NIL student. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's nuts. I don't, it is, I don't. Yeah, it's crazy. it's crazy to think about, but that's just part of it. So everyone is trying to adapt and adjust on the fly. I mean, it, it, they got to do something. It's just, it's not right. It really isn't. And, and, and the one and done thing, that may save the one and done as far as college basketball because kids could stay in college and maybe earn even more than if they went to the NBA. So maybe the one and done will end. We'll see what happens there. But, you know, again, going to the NFL, if there's one position in the NFL that really and truly has gotten a raw deal, i got to say it's the running back. Do you agree? Because I, I still think it's a very valuable position. Why? You can eat up the clock on offense. you got a blocker there. you got a pass catcher from the backfield. And all of a sudden now they're saying that that, that position is somewhat extinct, and I don't think it is. Uh, it's not extinct. I, th- I think it is, it's ever-evolving. The one thing that remains true is you have to grade players on the talent that they possess. Um, sometimes... Uh, particularly like in the Twitterverse and what an Xverse where everyone believes that they're a draft neck and an expert on team building and those things. I think you have to remember that. Keep the main thing the main thing. How good is the player at the position? So for Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey was a top 10 running back in college. He was drafted in the top 10. He's been there throughout his tenure in the National Football League. There's a lot on him, but he's delivered. Uh, and I think what's telling is Shanahan, whose dad, Mike Shanahan, is one the one who really popularized, oh, you can get a running back anywhere uh, because of the system. Uh, I think it's ironic that Kyle Shanahan not only 
trades for Christian McCaffrey but puts him in and their offense has exploded since his insertion into the lineup. Uh, I think he would say that there's different levels to this when it comes to running backs. It may not be apparent to the stat stuffer, but there there's a difference in dealing with a Christian McCaffrey and dealing with someone who's a bottom of the roster type player. Uh, the running backs will continue to be viewed as short-term solutions, meaning that I never have expectations of running back being a part of the mix for more than five years just because of the wear and tear on the position. But if we're talking about the pedigree and the talent, the talent is still there. It's a matter of identifying the talent and making sure that you give them, that you take them off the board where you should as opposed to being too cute. Well, I said going into the segment that this position is not extinct. And I, I remember the fact that extinct in the sense that I, I think that it's ignored by general managers and personnel people because they're not paying them what they're worth. I think that's why the position will always be there. Although I will say this, the fullback position is somewhat extinct. I think only two teams in the NFL even employ a fullback. But uh, getting back to the running back, Christian McCaffrey obviously could have very well been the MVP of the league this year. Did not get it. Got some votes for sure. And if I think that if the 49ers would have won that game, he probably would have been the uh, he would have been the the MVP of that game. I mean, that's the way he played. But do you think that his play will make general managers think twice about a running back right now coming up in the draft? Why do I say that? I look at a mock draft here right now. I don't see a running back being picked in the first round. Not even in the first round, the running back. Yeah, but that's just because of the talent. That's not because of anything else. The talent doesn't doesn't warrant someone being considered at the top of the board. The top players uh, at the position are just not they're, – they're not your, your special guys. They're good players. They're not great prospects in terms of, like, speed, explosiveness, size, strength, power, all those things. And so that's why you don't have the rush to put someone in the first round. We won't see running backs taken into the second round or later and that's just not because of the nature of the position that's because of the talent that this year that's in this year's draft class well i'm glad you brought that up because obviously let's go back to bucky brooks nfl.com the writer every friday has a column and it's very interesting and he's rating the the players in this year's draft and he's talking about running backs right now and one of them i think you said the number one running back in your mind was texas sophomore jonathan brooks which i was shocked because this kid's only a sophomore and you rated him the number one running back of the lot yes you did say the running back position lacks star power but you're saying that this kid's a star yeah, look, he's a really good player, man. He's been really effective in Sark's system. Uh, he has stop-start quickness. He has balance. He has vision. He can catch the ball out the backfield. He has those things that you look for in a front-line player. He's not B. John Robinson because we saw what B. John Robinson was in that offense, but he's a really good prospect. Uh, he has the tools and traits that you look for at the position. Uh, I think he's a guy that has interest, uh, that teams will have interest in in the second round. Interesting. Okay, we move along now. Trey Benson, the kid from Florida State, he's a senior. Tell me a little bit about Trey Benson and why these guys have been ranked in the way you've ranked them. He's number two in your top five list of running backs, which doesn't necessarily mean they'll be drafted in that order, but in your, in your mind, he's the second best running back in the National Football League potential draft. Yeah, look, inside-outside runner, rugged, uh, tough, really dynamic with the ball in his hands. Did a lot in terms of stabilizing that offense when it would get kind of chaotic. Just another um, look, another playmaker that you can add uh, into the arsenal as a rotational player. We'll see if he can tote the load as a as a true number one, um, meaning he's a, a old-school workhorse capable of, of doing all the stuff. But he's a good player, good prospect. 
I tell you why, you mentioned old school, and I loved watching this kid play all year long. He may be the only running back I really zeroed in on watching college football this year. Blake Corum from Michigan. You know, can he make it in the NFL? Can he be a guy? I mean, he's, he's tough. There's no doubt in my mind he's a tough kid. He's a physical runner. Uh, he, he likes to – he's old school. He's like an old school kind of guy. Can he make it in the NFL? You ranked him, what, the third best or fourth best well, running back in, in the potential draft? Yeah, no, he's he's he, he's productive. He's a he's a prolific point scorer. Um, I think he he'd go down as the, the the most prolific touchdown scorer in Michigan history when it comes to the running back position. He knows how to put the ball in the paint. He has a nose for it. He's tough. He's physical. He's durable and reliable. He has all those traits that you look for when it comes to the competitive stamina to be the workhorse. The issue that you have is he's not necessarily explosive. Um, so he's not going to deliver those big, explosive, splashy plays, but he's just rock solid, steady, and dependable. Uh, where do you do that? Where do you value that? A lot of it will depend on how your running back backfield, your your rotation is kind of set up. But he's a guy who I would expect to be a solid contributor to a team for a long time. Good player. All right. So he's, he's your third or he's your fourth best, I think. Uh, number five, the junior from Oregon, Bucky Irving. And uh, this kid has speed. I mean, as of the top five, he may be the fastest of all of them, I think, as far as speed is concerned. Yeah, no, he's explosive. He's a jitterbug. Um, the thing that you now have when it comes to running back is trying to set the, separate them. You have your your your. RB1s, your, your workhorse guys that are big, physical, uh, and rugged. And then you have your speed demons, your change of pace guys, the guys that kind of come in and change the game either as receivers or uh, misdirection, delay, draw type guys. He falls in that category. His speed is tremendous. You feel it when you watch him on tape. You see the, the spectacular plays that he delivers. You just wonder, can he hold up being an every down back? Probably not, but he certainly can give you major contributions as a work as a kind of rotational player. Let me leave you with this. In your mind, who was the best running back in the National Football League this past year? I think the team that had the best running backs, the one two combination probably was the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. But who's, uh, Detroit who's your was, best? Yeah, the best back. I mean, like the best back is going to be CMC. Um, the best rotation would be Detroit because both of those guys almost one had a thousand yards. Dave Montgomery had a thousand. Jameer Gibbs was just under a thousand yards. It's hard to beat that kind of production uh, from those guys. And the way that they do it, both of them could run the ball. They also could catch out the backfield. The key to being an effective running back in this game, uh, in in today's time, you got to be able to make a play. Uh, in the passing game. You can't just be an old-school runner. Derrick Henry's the only one that we allow to be just a 100% running back. Don't count on him in the passing game. Everybody else has to be able to do more to sustain itself. There you go. Well said. Appreciate that. He's Bucky Brooks. Get him on X. Get him on Twitter. Whatever you want to call it. At Bucky Brooks. At Andy Furman. FSR. We'll read him. We'll retweet him. If they're worthy. 877-99 on Fox is our number. That translates to 877-996-6369. Lines are open. They're available for you. And, of course, we got the blame game in this hour. And in hour number four. Yes, we're going one more after this. Got the wacky world of sports. So right now, did you see who's making movies now? We'll tell you all about that next. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Guess who financed this deal? Well, that's right around the corner. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. We're Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. And, of course, we're live from the TireRack.com studios. And uh, let's talk a little bit about sports versus entertainment. Many people think it's one. But it's about Travis Kelsey versus Taylor Swift. Forget about the money. Who is more in the public eye? I got to tell you right now, I got to believe Travis is. What do you think? I've seen it Travis on almost every other TV commercial. Travis is all over the place, more so than Taylor Swift. Don't you agree? I do not agree. <laughs> Taylor Swift is a really? bigger star. Oh. She's a much bigger star. He's he's active and all that. He he had his own thing kind of going, but like let's make that let's let's not overblow this. Like she is the superstar. He I, don't, I don't see her nice doing star. TV commercials though. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't need to do anything. She's busy. She's on tour right now, so she's not going to do it. But, but I, I, I look, never Travis, saw her do commercials. Come yeah, on, I mean, yeah, Travis, Travis, Travis has got a nice little Taylor bump. Uh, he's become more <laughs> mainstream culture. E, but uh, she's still the uh, one that kind of drives all the stuff. Travis is doing direct TV. Travis is doing State Farm Insurance. He's doing so much more. He's doing the vaccination deal. I don't see her doing anything. I, I think Travis may be more in the public eye. Maybe she's more popular, but I think he's more in the pu- pu- public eye. But who has the bigger ego, Travis or Taylor? Oh, Travis probably. No doubt. She seems no doubt like about she's, that. Like she's just real low-key, under the radar, unassuming, all of that. He definitely has the ego. Right. Now, now we say sports is entertainment. We both agree there. There's no doubt in my mind, you know, you, you want to go to a sporting event, you want to be entertained. Sports is entertainment. But are athletes entertainers? I, I think they are. They're, they're entertaining me. But does that mean they could go from the sporting life 
to actual entertainment like stand-up comedy? Uh, some can. There's no doubt. Uh, uh, movies, TV. Can they? I mean, some some can. Not everybody. Like everybody would like to think that they can do multiple things, but there's an art to it. Uh, we've seen pro athletes successfully kind of transition into being actors and those things, but it takes. I mean, like you have to have talent, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of skill to be able to pull it off. Uh, just like any transition that they make post uh, playing days, it, it, it takes some time. But yes, their guys are multi-dimensional uh, assets that can contribute in a bunch of different ways. Anyone you played with in your career make it big in Hollywood? Uh, he hasn't made it big yet, but I would say Tony Gonzalez has done some things as an actor. He took it yeah. seriously. He's been training to try and do some of the stuff. Uh, I didn't play with him, but watching Namdi Ashmoa, uh, he has become a very successful and critically acclaimed actor on his own accord. He's married to Kerry Washington, who's a, a very um, prominent actress. So, yeah, so there have been some guys that have kind of made it on their own. It's rare that they do it. But, yeah, there certainly have been some guys that have been able to do it. All right. I mean, look, uh, Alex Karras was in the movies way back in the day. I mean, uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh, so some, some guys yeah. Room, right? He also did Webster, right? Didn't he do right? Webster? Yeah. I love yeah. Alex Karras, you know, and we'll see. But uh, Travis Kelsey now, it seems to be he's using President Joe Biden's renewable energy tax credits to finance a film. He's man. He's in the film as well. My Dead Fred Zone. That's his film. Uh, Ed Harris is in the movie. Morgan Freeman's mm-hmm. in the movie. And it's marks, uh, I guess, Travis Kelsey's first foray into movies. And uh, he's going to get it done. And I, I, I didn't even know what the Inflation Reduction Act was, but it was passed back in August of 2022. And it marks the single largest investment in climate and energy in American history, enabling America to tackle the climate crisis, advancing environmental justice, securing America's position as a world leader in domestic clean energy manufacturing and putting the United States on a pathway to achieving the Biden-Harris administration's climate goals, including a net zero economy by 2050. Great. But I don't know why Travis Kelsey uh, is qualified to get the money from that program to to, uh, to, to back a film, my dead friend zone. But but he's doing that. So it's amazing that he, he's getting that done. But it's funny because Joe didn't even get an endorsement from Taylor Swift. That's another story. All right? But we'll see what happens. But uh, a producer of the film, would Travis Kelsey even dare to go into this venture if he didn't have a football uniform on? That's my question. I don't think well, so. Well, I mean, no, but you have to leverage what you have. Um you know, you have that, that name recognition, you have the notoriety, and you're never more popular than you are uh, during your time as, as a pro athlete. And so he's wise to utilize his standing and his stature to see if he can get some things done away from the field. This is uh, a lane that several athletes have taken. I just saw Dwayne Wade just was executive producer on a short documentary um, that um, is coming out. Uh, LeBron James has had success with all of the stuff he and Maverick Carter have done. You're seeing more athletes kind of step into some of these things because, I mean, back in the day, it was Roger Staubach who was able to take his brief time as a, well, I mean, his time as a Dallas Cowboys quarterback and turn that into a real estate empire, Junior Bridge. Bridgman, who played for the Milwaukee Bucks, had a million uh, Wendy's restaurants uh, throughout the country. They're guys that have been able to parlay their success as pro athletes 
into successful ventures in business world in a bunch of different lanes. No, I think it's great. And I tell you what, it goes against the grain of that one woman. I'm not even going to mention her name who said that athletes should just shut up and dribble. Remember that? With LeBron? Oh, That's that's ridiculous. That was stupid. Yeah. Yeah, Lauren. But, I mean, that that happens. But you're seeing more guys doing it. And I would say the success that some of the young generation has seen with uh, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and others – that's inspired them to think about it beyond just whatever you can do, dribbling or running around on the football field. Right, and even going from a player to like a like a, a broadcaster to the broadcast. But Tom Brady's going to do it, right? You know, so we've seen a lot of these guys do it. So it happens. You can play the game and and go on to achieve another career in entertainment in the entertainment industry. Okay, and and certainly I would say this: if you're an aspiring announcer. And you want to get involved in, in sports broadcasting? There's probably a better chance if you had a uniform on. If you didn't, especially an analyst, the analyst probably more often than not is going to have to have played the game to become an analyst. Let's see, Bucky Brooks. I could see you in the booth doing uh, Fox games on Sundays on TV. You played the game, you know the game well, and you speak well. So I think you could get the job done. You know, there's a lot of guys have done that. Tony Gonzalez is on TV. All these guys mm-hmm. are on TV. And I, I think also I think the position you play. It would help because if you're in a visible position like a receiver, a running back, or a quarterback, you probably have a better possibility of getting that position than if you're a, a lineman. Although Andrew Whitworth has gotten it. Whitworth has gotten yeah, the I, I think I think a lot of it is like how you're elected to pursue the craft. Um, the advice that I give most uh, young people when they're thinking about jumping into the business is you want to pursue it while you're still playing. You want to kind of get in the lane. You want to do some freebies. You want to start to get that experience. Uh, if I was in Cincinnati, my thing would be to go to a local TV station or radio station and see if I could come in and kind of job shadow and volunteer. And what Solomon Wilcox did it. that. Yeah, I Sol- Solly I knew Solomon. Did that. I knew yeah. Solly did that. And, and you started doing those things. While you're players, so you can get the experience because um, you need that experience. It's just like uh, when you're playing. You got to train. You have to have repetitions. You need to be coached. Uh, you need to be able to take the coaching and make the necessary changes to become a better broadcaster. And the only way to do it is you have to jump in early. Uh, so you can get some of that stuff done when you don't have the pressure of needing to make money. Now you're just pursuing it because you're really interested in it. Um, and then the money will come later. But you have to make sure that you devote the time and the energy uh, to work on your craft. There you go. By the way, if you're interested, the My Dead Friend Zone follows a female Afghanistan veteran who comes uh, head-to-head with her Vietnam vet grandfather at the family's uh, ancestral lake house. The film will make its world premiere at SXSW on March the 9th and was produced by Legion M and is being sold by CAA, if you're interested. March 9th, so Travis Kelsey makes his debut at that point in time. All right. Now, uh, if you like using debit over credit, shouldn't you also get rewarded? Well, now you can with Discover Cashback Debit. It's a checking account that rewards everyone with cashback on everyday purchases with no fees, period. Check out eligibility and terms at discover.com forward slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Now, we have this. 
he's still playing at an all-star level. Yes, he is. That's coming up next live from the TireRack.com studios. But first, Kevin Wyatt with all your sports. Yeah, all-star level in the all-star game in the NBA coming up later Sunday evening. They did have all the festivities in Indianapolis on Saturday, and it was a fun night. Mac McClung won the slam dunk contest by jumping over Shaq to slam it home, and that really impressed the judges as he uh, took the title. Damian Lillard, for the second straight time, wins the three-point contest. And in that matchup between Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu, Curry did win it, but it was just a 29-26 advantage uh, for Steph Curry as uh, Sabrina really uh, kept that one close. So that was a that was a fun night as well. And the skills challenge, Team Pacers uh, winning that one. As for the college ranks, huge matchup in the Big East. Top five matchup between number one UConn, number four Marquette. And this one uh, was not much of a contest at all as the Huskies uh, dominate in this one, 81-53. A dominating performance, uh, Historic one in the rivalry between Arizona and Arizona State. The fifth-ranked Wildcats getting the biggest win in the history of this rivalry. They won it by 45 points, 105-60. to In the Big 12, number 6, Kansas trailed at halftime but still was able to win it by double digits against number 25, Oklahoma, 67-57. to Number 11, South Carolina blew a 16-point second-half lead to LSU as the Tigers win it in Columbia, 64-63. to Auburn suffers their first home loss of the season. The 13th-ranked Tigers taken down by number 22, Kentucky, 70-59. to An upset, number 19, BYU, taken down by Oklahoma State, 93-83. Number 20, Wisconsin, edged by Iowa in Wisconsin, or Iowa in overtime, 88-86. And number 23, Indiana State, for the first time since Larry Bird played for them uh, 45 years ago, were in the rankings. But... Southern Illinois really uh, spoiling that parade, and uh, Sycamores might very well find themselves back out of the rankings as uh, Southern Illinois wins it 74-69. NHL outdoor action in New Jersey. MetLife Stadium, the first game saw the Devils beat the Flyers 6-3. The second game coming up later today, 3 o'clock Eastern time between the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders. And the Daytona 500 also on schedule for today, but there's a chance that race might not go on because there is rain in the forecast for eastern Florida. They're going to monitor the situation, see if maybe they can squeeze it in, but the Xfinity Series uh, for Saturday was already postponed till Monday morning, but if they do get the race in today, it can be seen over on Fox. Back to you guys. Thank you, Kev. See you in an hour. Now, there's still a market for him. We'll tell you all about it in just about a minute. He is Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman, and we are Fox Sports Sunday, and we're live from the TireRack.com studios. Now, we've got the blame game coming up in about five, six minutes from now, but the argument has always been going on for years. It's Michael Jordan or LeBron James. I'm not going there. I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, the King has it all over MJ and longevity. That's for sure. At 39 years age, 39 years of age, the King, LeBron James, is playing unbelievable at an all-star level. Not playing every day, but he's playing at an all-star level. After 48 games this season, 24.8 point per game average, 7.8 assists, 7.3 rebounds, and last week, believe it or not, at the age of 39, which is unreal, the Golden State Warriors wanted to pair him with Steph Curry, and they made an offer to the Lakers, and they said, uh-uh. The King holds a $51.4 million player option for 
next season. It would have been unbelievable to see him and Steph together, but it's not happening. I'm, I'm just amazed that at 39 he could do what he's doing. You know, I, there are 39-year-old people that can't run up and down a basketball court. Let only he, he, he does that, and, he, and he's dominating. He really is. I, I just can't believe what he's done. Yeah, it's uncommon for someone uh, at his age to continue to play at a high level. He's not the player that he once was, but he's still a dominant player. His IQ has surpassed his athleticism, but as one of the smartest players to ever kind of step between the lines, he's always had that. But now it's at an even greater level. This is just a, a phenomenal player playing at a, a a remarkable letter level, and it's unfortunate that the team isn't playing um, as well as we thought that the Lakers would play. But LeBron James has certainly uh, lived up to the hype in terms of being just a dominant player at all time. I am so tired of a the comparison between him and Michael Jordan, and b the fact is that he is so good, and the team is not good at all. And they're blaming him. Although I remember back in the day, he carried the Cleveland Cavaliers on his back. It was LeBron James and four bums, and they won the title. So, you know, he, he's great. He's a great player. Is he the greatest of all time? I'm not going down that road either. If you were to ask me who the greatest player of all time was, I would tell you Will Chamberlain. I think Wilt Stilt was the greatest of all time. Averaged 50 points a game. He was tremendous. He averaged almost like 30, 40 rebounds a game. The guy was tremendous. In a league when they only had eight teams... And probably the talent was better, and it was more of a center-oriented game. And they had guys like Nate Thurman, Bill Russell, Wes Unseld, you know, great center, Willis Reed, great centers playing against him at that point in time. But I would tell you now in my heart of hearts that the difference between LeBron James and Michael Jordan, quite simple. Michael Jordan put life in the league at a time when the league needed it. It was dying. Uh, LeBron James just added more life. That's what he did. It's difficult to compare these guys. Come on. LeBron's a better rebounder. He plays a different position. That's the end of it. But I think, I'll tell you this, I think Michael had more passion than LeBron. Uh, I mean, I think people talk about that. I think it's all subjective. You know, with LeBron, Kobe, MJ, um, different players, and I think they should be appreciated. I hate when we pit one against the other, like who's the greatest in those things. LeBron James would go down as the greatest individual player uh, to play just based on the records. His longevity speaks for itself. Michael Jordan is the ultimate competitor. He's the one that transformed the game. Kobe took parts of that and added it to a higher level. They all are, are great in, in their own individual ways in terms of like what, what people talk about, the GOAT, GOAT categories. They all are GOATs in their own individual way. But I don't look, I think it's going to be hard for people to surpass the image and the reputation of Michael Jordan just because he was such an iconic figure uh, in the National Basketball Association. Yeah, I, and the reason I, I think we even bring this topic up right now is the fact that at the age of 39, that the Lakers are making a, a, a move to, or even requesting uh, from Golden State to trade him. I mean, you don't see many 39-year-old players in the game of basketball on the trading block. You just don't. You know, if you're trading a guy, you're trying to dump him and don't really want a 39-year-old. This guy could play at a high level at the age of 39, which to me is amazing. Again, I'm not going to make a list of who's the greatest, who's on Mount Rushmore in the NBA. It's a different game back in the day until now. Being a great shooter. You, you could like, you could name a half dozen great shooters. Steph Curry, they say, is the greatest shooter of all time. And I'll go back and tell you there were great shooters like Sam Jones and Lenny Wilkins that no one knows. And the problem with, with, with talking about the greatest of all time, and you know this as well as anybody, Buck, the fact is that people who say these things don't know their sports history. you got to know your history mm -hmm. if you want to say things like that. Otherwise, you sound like a fool. That's true. 
Yeah, you got to go beyond the recency bias. You got to go beyond what is right in front of you. You have to be able to know what played and what dominated in the league at a time. And if you don't acknowledge that, then it's hard to have a credible opinion when you're talking about who's the GOAT, who's this, who's that. Um, yeah, so you're right. Got to know. Got to know a little more than just the basic stuff. I think it's the first time you ever said I was right. I love that. No, nah, I mean, I give you credit. I know, I'm I only credit. Thank you very much. All right, it's time. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. Now is the time to vent. It's time to point fingers. Why? It's the Blaine game, and it's next. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The blame game coming right up. It's about 12 minutes before the top of the hour. I'll tell you what. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman, and we're live from the TireRack.com studios. But right now, let's do it. The blame game. You ruined me. It's all your fault. No, it's your fault. This is all your fault. This is all your fault. Maybe it's everyone's fault. Who knows? He's a liar! That's why there's the blame game. The blame game. Let's figure out who to blame. The blame game. The I-Man, take care of the blame game for us, I-Man. The blame game. All right. So, here we go. The first question. NIL in college sports is a mess right now. Andy, who do you blame? I blame the NCAA. They're too stupid to figure out that this is basically making illegal recruiting. Recruiting back in the day, a guy would come out with a bag of money to get a player to come to a school. Now they're saying it's legal. You, NCAA, shame on you. It's messing up college sports. Bucky, what about you? Who do you blame? (laughs) Yeah, look, I'll blame the adults. I'll blame the the coaches, the administrators, and those things. This stuff should have been done a long time ago. They should have given players a small piece of the pie a long time ago and they wouldn't have to deal with what they're dealing with now. Alright, we're going to go with Bucky on that one. 
Question number two. NBA wow. scoring is at an all-time high. It's a joke. Bucky, who do you blame? Uh, look, the league for creating these lax rules when it comes to defense. No hand checking. Uh, you can't load the zone on defense. They wanted to open the lane up, and they have. And so you're seeing what the league wanted, a more entertaining product because they have forbidding defense at the NBA level. All right, Andy, okay. what about you? You could credit great shooting. You could credit lack of defense. But I'll tell you what, I think the people behind the scenes, behind the mask, is the people that run the NBA say, look, we want more interest in this league. We want more attendance. We want better TV ratings. How do you do it? More points. And that's what they're doing. And there's no defense at all. Just like in baseball, they wanted more home runs. They let them really stuck their head in the ground when they had the steroid era. And they were hitting 73-plus home runs. Now they're doing it in basketball. They're letting them score because they think it's better for the game. And I don't think it is. I'm blaming you, Commissioner, from you down. Sheesh, you both both brought the heat on that one. We're going to go with Andy, though. Question number three. Players at Dartmouth College want to form a union. Andy, who do you blame? You know what? I'm not blaming anybody. I think it's a smart move, but you know what? No one else thought of it because the kids at Dartmouth are probably smarter than any other school. That's why they're doing it at Dartmouth. It's a good idea. Why not? Look what the athletes do for schools. They increase enrollment. They increase interest. They they get visibility because they sell merchandise and they get on TV. Not at Dartmouth, though, but they do. Good for them. Good for them. Get that union. But the, the sad news is it'll only be probably in the Ivy League and no other school will do it. Bucky? Yeah, no, this is this has been attempted before. Northwestern tried to do it years ago, and Pat Fitzgerald kind of squashed it. Um, it's time, though. Like, they're going to have to unionize because as more uh, states are beginning to recognize college players as employees, you have to unionize it some, somewhere. All right, I'm going to give it to Andy. Huh? Whoa! Number four, Whoa. Taylor Swift is getting much pushback in the media. Bucky, who do you blame? <laughs> I believe the public because we're haters. We hate to see people, successful people, happy. She's like one of the most well-known pop artists that we've seen. She's hooking up with a Hall of Fame caliber tight end. No one wants to see their love affair play out in real time. That's why. Everyone just hates it. People just hate successful people having fun. You know, I have to blame the uh, my brethren in the media, the old guard, the old guys. You know, these old people, they want to see change. They think, oh, football is a manly sport. It's for men. And why is she moving in on the turf of football? So I'm blaming media people, specifically old guys, the gray-haired guys, the gray beards. That's the one I'm blaming. They hate women. They hate Taylor Swift. They want to have that brotherhood of men. And they think that football is just a manly sport. And Taylor, you don't deserve to be in there, but you know what? She's done one hell of a job promoting the National Football League and selling jerseys, too. All right, we're going to give that one to Bucky. I think the public just does love to hate. Uh, You know, you love to hate. You love to hate. You're a hater, too. Next question. College athletes are transferring at will and extending their career five to six years. Who do you blame? Bucky. Uh, I blame the parents. I blame the parents because the parents have raised kids who don't have the resilience to battle it out when they don't get what they want initially. Like, no longer are people having to earn their spots. If they don't get it, they leave. Uh, To me, I think it's an unfair precedent, but it's because the parents don't want to see their kids fail. Andy. 
Well, I tell you, what, I can't go down that road because a lot of these kids have one parent family, so I'm not doing it that way. It's the NCAA. Look, I remember when I was in college, I was thinking of transferring. They said I'd lose about 30 credits. I don't understand how these kids can transfer and be eligible without sitting out. It's ridiculous. It's a joke. NCAA, get it together. You use the term student athlete, throw it out the window because they're not students anymore. It's stupid. NCAA, it's on you. All right, that one goes to Andy. Last one. Why haven't we seen a woman coach an NCAA Division One men's basketball team? Who do you blame? Andy. Because men are afraid to hire women. They're afraid of them. They're, they're intimidated and they're afraid. They could coach. Believe me. You don't think that coach in Iowa could coach a men's team? Are you kidding me? Please. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just opportunity. So I blame the men. All right. Andy wins today. Thank you. There we go. Stay with us. All right, the athletes that have the biggest egos in sports, we're going to tell you all about them in just about a minute. He's Bucky Brooks. I don't think he's on that list. I'm Andy Furman. Maybe I am, but I'm not an athlete. Okay, and this is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, and we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there, and unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be, Buck. I tell you what, in all sports, Athletes have egos. There's no, you have to have an ego to play the game. I think you have to have an ego if you go to Carnegie Hall and play in a concert. That's just the way you are. If, if you're good at what you do, you have to have an ego, and you probably know that you're good at what you do. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's worth a salt always has a strong self-belief. They believe in themselves. They believe they can be the best at what they do, and they go about it. There's nothing wrong with having an ego like that allows you to accomplish stuff. I think it's making sure that you can have that that confidence, that self-belief while still being humble enough to know that it takes others to help you uh, get to where you want to go. And I would say that in all the, the four major sports, the athletes that have the biggest egos would be NFL players. Do you agree? And maybe that's because they're in the limelight so much, maybe because it's the most popular sport. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think all professional athletes, all athletes at a high level have a good dose of ego. I bet you Caitlin Clark, if we polled her and asked her what she thought away from the cameras, she probably believes she's the best one to ever play. Uh, everybody has that. I don't I don't think you can kind of narrow it down to one sport. I would think, if anything, I would say basketball, uh, the ego in basketball is a little different than everything because it's visible. It's a five-on-five sport, and so it's Easy, easier to become an individual sport more so than football because football, it takes more than just one person to be able to get things done. I'm going to give you a couple of names that I've just off the top of my head that are, that are egomaniacs, and most of them, believe it or not, are in the world of football. Okay, on my list, and believe it or not, I have Jerry Jones on my list. All right, not not wearing a uniform, but Jerry Jones to me is an egomaniac. Okay, and I'm not saying it's good, better, and different. I just think he is. Guy, you know, there are a few owners that have their own radio show. He has his own radio show. I think that he needs to have that exposure, and he he lives for that. You know, his Dallas Cowboys is his life. I get it. It's okay, not a big deal. But would you agree that he's on the list of egomaniacs for uh, for sporting people, for athletes? Yeah, he, yeah, he definitely has a big. Big ego. I mean, like, I, I think it's undeniable. The brand is big, but the brand is so big because of his ego. His right. own arrogance has allowed the Dallas Cowboys uh, brand to flourish because he boldly put it out there. He has made that uh, logo synonymous with glitz and glam and all of those things. And so, look, we, we may not like the ego, but the ego has certainly worked in his favor. 
Okay. Uh, number two, not, not in this one. Just another guy on the list. I'm going to say he's number two. But Rex Ryan. I think he had a tremendous year, and I love Rex. I really do. But just, just the way he is, his personality is built that way, and, you know, he, he's got an ego. I mean, there are certain guys that do, certain guys that don't. He's got a tremendous personality and a very big ego. So Rex Ryan's there. Agreed? Yeah, Rex Ryan. I mean, he certainly has a huge dose of self-confidence. He believes in himself. He believes in uh, what he's done, and he quickly will tell you his accomplishments in the league. You're right. Can't, can't knock that at all. Now, here's a guy, and I hate to use the term ego with him because I love him dearly. Uh, when I was working at a racetrack, I had him race a horse for me, and his name is Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco. And uh, he's just a good-natured guy that he's lovable. And, you know, it, it's got a bubbling personality, but I think it overflows to being ego. I mean, here's a guy that would go to a restaurant and leave a $1,000 tip. That's just – and he, he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't. You know, most of the time when you see it on social media, it's the person who received the tip will take a picture of that and put it on social media. He would never do it. So I'm not so certain he's the ego person uh, I'm thinking of, but he has a bubbling big personality. I think big personalities may translate to ego. So I got Chad Johnson on there just because I like him. Yeah, no, he's a good, he's a good player. He's a really good dude, and the things that he has done. You talked about leaving the tips. He's done a lot uh, of that, making sure the uh, everyday workers get compensated for their deeds. Uh, I don't look. I think he's about as humble as they come right now. I believe the bravado that he displayed when he was with the Cincinnati Bengals, wearing the gold jacket, putting himself in the Hall of Fame, all that stuff. I think was in good fun. I don't right. know if he necessarily believed that, but I think he enjoyed the attention that came along with that. I don't. Think think he's an egomaniac. I just think he's a fun-loving kid who always enjoys kind of being uh, in front of the camera. And very creative, too, because I remember on the sidelines after he scored a touchdown one time, he got on one knee and tried to propose to a cheerleader. I just think that the guy is just creative and he's a fun-loving guy. I think he's good for a team. I really do. I, I think I remember one time when they played the Cleveland Browns, he sent the case of Pepto-Bismol to the, to the Cleveland Browns clubhouse because he said, you'll need that after playing me. And it's it's great. I mean, it's a great storyline. He creates he creates interest. That's what he does. Last but not least, coming to my mind now, I got Scottie Pippen. And why do I say that? When I saw the Michael Jordan documentary, I just I watched Scottie Pippen. I didn't I didn't like his activities there. I just and remember, I don't think Michael really won much until Scottie got on the team in Chicago. But Scottie Pippen really, and maybe he was that way because he felt like he was the second fiddle to Michael. And I certainly a lot of people felt that way. But again, Michael didn't win until Scotty got there. Yeah, like Scotty's an interesting one. His ego has kind of grown, I would say, since he kind of left the sport. Uh, he Originally, he, he seemed like he was a guy that was kind of a go-along, get-along, humble guy, but his ego kind of escalated as he sought to have the attention that always went in Michael Jordan's direction. I'll say he's a bit of an egomaniac for sure. There we go. Now, why I bring this up, because we're talking about position players in the National Football League, I would have to think that the players with the biggest ego in the National Football League would be receivers, right? Maybe quarterbacks. i got to throw Aaron Rodgers in there. I think he's an egomaniac. But uh, the receivers, and why I say that, because you listed the top wide receivers that may be going in the NFL draft this year. Again, NFL.com, Bucky Brooks has his column every Friday. And I'm looking at a mock draft right now, and I see in the first round, of the 32 picks, five picks are wide receivers, all right? And, uh, you know, besides quarterback, 
right now it's a receiver's ball game. It really is. It's a receiver's league. And that's what it's all about. And the number one is a kid out of Ohio State that you love. His name is Marvin Harrison Jr. And it looks like he's going to be in my mock draft, at least, that I'm looking at. It's not my personal one. The fourth pick going to the Arizona Cardinals, which would be one hell of a pick. Yeah, um, one, about the ego. Uh, the farther you get away from the ball, the bigger the ego. So your wide receivers and your DBs typically have the biggest egos because they're so far away from the group of the team. They're kind of playing on islands uh, the entire game. When it comes to Marvin Harrison Jr. in this receiver class, this receiver class is terrific. Um, they got guys that are plug and play. They have different types of guys that you're looking for, whether it's big play specialists, uh, chain movers, guys that can get it done in a bunch of different ways. You have all that available. Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of the more polished receiver prospects that we've seen in some time. Outstanding routes, great hands, good ball skills, uh, just a natural playmaker at the position. Reminds me a lot of Larry Fitzgerald when Larry Fitzgerald was coming out of uh, Pitt. He just has it. Um, don't know how fast he's going to run and those things, but he just has the tools. He has the if factor. He is going to be a fantastic pro. What about his size and speed? Um, you know, with his size, look, he's talking about 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, uh, Speed-wise, I don't know. I think he's plenty fast enough. I would think he's going to come in at mid-4'4s four uh, and be, be able to get it done. I don't think he's necessarily a speed demon, but he's certainly fast enough. And as a number one receiver, it's not about the speed part of it. It's the dependability, the reliability as a route runner and as a pass catcher. He has that. And so because of that, I feel confident that he's going to be a dominant player in the league. And you believe that he's the number one wide receiver on your list and maybe the number one wide receiver to be drafted in the NFL draft this year? Yeah, I think he'll be the first one to come off the board. I think Rome Adunze from Washington is nipping at his heels, though. This kid from Washington is really good. Punt returner, he shows that on tape. He can get it done. He kind of has the, the wiggling game that reminds me of a little Jamar Chase. Like, kind of wins with his overwhelming physicality and toughness. Uh, great ball skills. Wins those 50-50 balls down down the field. Just a, look a really good player. He'll challenge Marvin Harrison Jr., I think, for the number one spot. And, and maybe he could uh, elevate Daniel Jones to be a, a better quarterback, too. Sometimes the receiver makes the quarterbacks, and sometimes it's vice versa. But sometimes the receiver can make the quarterback. Yeah, he can, but, I mean, you can't make everything. And so Daniel Jones has to improve a, t- a ton uh, before we can say that Adunze is going to elevate him. Uh, even at his best, Daniel Jones had 15 touchdowns and five interceptions. I don't know if that's going to set the world on fire ever. Right. No, you, you talk about Adunze, but I, I think that Malik Neighbors, the kid from LSU who's a junior, you have him on the list too right there. But uh, the, some of these uh, draft boards have him being going to the L.A. Chargers. Uh, the new coach, obviously, Jim Harbaugh, who loves to pass, loves to pass the football, which is going to be great news for Justin Herbert. This could really elevate Justin Herbert. I don't think Justin Herbert gets the recognition or respect he certainly deserves. And uh, right now, when you talk about great quarterbacks in this league and franchise quarterbacks, you know, they talk about – the Joe Burrows, they talk about the Josh Allens of the world. They don't mention Justin Herbert. I think you're going to see Justin Herbert moving into that pack because of Jim Harbaugh and if they get Malik Neighbors as well. Uh, look, we, we may see that. Um, I think the thing that we'll see when it comes to Justin Herbert, the running game will solidify everything for him, take some of the pressure off. They have to make decisions on the perimeter. 
Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, big commanding a lot of money, a lot of dough. And so do you part ways with one of those guys and see if you can get uh, better production from a new receiver, Malik Neighbors? Do you depend on Quentin Johnson, who was your first-round receiver last year, taken out of CCU? All of those things are factors and in play. But uh, the one thing we know is Jim Harbaugh is going to find a way to help Justin Herbert play better. Um, and some of that might be with another wide receiver, or it could be a tight end like a Brock Bowers. All right. You have uh, Keon Coleman, a junior from Florida State, as your number five, I believe, on your list as far as wide receivers. But as far as this mock draft that I'm looking at, they then have a wide receiver now until the 28th pick, and that's the Buffalo Bills, who certainly need to upgrade their running game. A lot of drop passes this year in Buffalo, and they need Josh Allen to have a major target there. Coleman could be it. Will he be around for the 28th pick for Buffalo? Uh, he could be around. A lot of it depends on how fast he runs. He's a playmaker uh, in terms of he wins 50-50 balls. Not the fastest, not the most uh, polished or precise when it comes to route running. Reminds me a lot of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he, he's a guy, though, that he just wins the 50-50 balls. He makes it happen down the field. So I am. Look, I, I think you'll have a chance. The Buffalo Bills, if he's close, I think they make it happen. Now, as a whole, you look at this wide receiving class, do you say loaded with playmakers, a good wide receiving class as opposed to years past, or uh, you know, just maybe just Marvin Harrison and the rest are also Rands? No, no, no. I think it's a good class. It's a solid class overall. Um, just because we listed five, there are even more guys that could go and make it happen. All right. I, I believe you. You know, you've never let me down before. I believe everything you say. And if anybody else believes him, you could tweet him, get him on X, but if you like, at Bucky Brooks, at Andy Furman FSR. We'll read him. We'll retweet him. No doubt about that. We'd love to hear from you at 877-99 on Fox. That translates to 877-996-6369. And, of course, in this hour, we're going to have some wacky sports news and some wacky sports games. And we'll do that. But we're coming up next. But right now, we're going to have Is Your City on this list is your city on this list well we'll tell you all about that next enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm signing up and playing is so easy simply sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matter more than ever place your money line prop and parlay bets with a king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. 
or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do we really need more? Well, we'll get to that in just about a minute. He is Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman, and we're live from the Tyrac.com studios. And by the way, we want to welcome our two new affiliates, the new Fox Sports Radio, Jacksonville, 9.30 a.m., and the new Fox Sports Radio, Orlando, 97.9 FM and 8.10 a.m. And we look forward to entertaining and informing you each and every day. So welcome, welcome to Fox Sports Radio, Jacksonville, 9.30 a.m., and the new Fox Sports Radio, Orlando. Orlando, 97.9 FM and 8.10 AM. We welcome you to the Fox Sports Radio family. Welcome. Well, that's your neck of the woods there, Bucky Brooks, isn't it? Jacksonville. It is my neck of the woods. I'm excited. that uh, We have a new affiliate coming from Duval County. That should be fun uh, to bring our sweet voices to them. You know, I, I don't think I'm alone when I found out earlier today that Jacksonville is the largest city in the state of Florida. I know I sound like a moron by saying that, but I'm sure a lot of people thought Miami was. I never knew Jacksonville was the largest city. Never knew that. Why didn't you tell me yeah. that before? Before I made myself. Well, I, mean, like an you idiot. Didn't, I mean, you didn't ask. You came and uh, talked about just knowing. I could have uh, told you, could have saved you some headache and heartbreak. Well, I'm going to get some. I know I will. Those people from Jacksonville, God bless you. There you go. By the way, NBA All-Star Game today. By the way, the format here, they're going to return to the traditional East versus West format. Thank goodness, instead of the two captains picking teams, which is stupid. Also, the game returns now to four 12-minute quarters. Uh, the format and that was opposed to the targeted score ending to conclude the All-Star Game back in 2020, 21, 22, and last year. That was stupid as well. Go back to tradition, please, really. And the team that wins each quarter is going to have donations made in its name to a charitable organization. That's a good thing. It really is. So hopefully they'll have like the 160 to 150 game today. But the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, said the other day, Las Vegas is, quote, definitely on our list for an expansion franchise. Now, here's the question. Is expansion really needed in the NBA? Now, certainly, money-wise, it is, because every expansion team that comes in will, A, give the existing teams money, and, B, they will not be able to participate in the TV revenue for a year or two. So this gives like some money that was lost during the pandemic to the owners. So maybe that's why they're going to do expansion. Other than that, I don't see any other reason to expand in the NBA. What about you? Well, no, I think it's a great city. It's proven to be a great sports town. They can't rave enough about what uh, the city did in hosting the Super Bowl. So you want to tap into that market. Um, For the NBA, there's more. Look, there's plenty of of space. You still can put more teams in there. I can see it expand. Uh, There are 32 teams in the National Football League. So up in the ante where you get over 30 in the NBA, I think it's a good thing. Okay, my, my opposition to that is, number one, when you expand, you dilute talent. Okay, the, the, good, the positive is you're creating more jobs. I get that. But they're diluting talent. And look, I would say, yeah, Vegas. You want to go to Vegas, NBA, fine. I think it's too late. I think you missed the boat. Why do I say that? You're ready at the NFL, you have the NHL. I don't think a lot of residents live in Vegas. It's a tourist place. I don't think a lot of people are going to buy tickets for three major sports. Plus, you have to knock on doors for sponsorships. I 
I don't think there's enough money. I look at the cities around the country that have major sports. Okay, cities the size like Milwaukee and Indianapolis. What do they have? Two major sports. You can't support more. You just can't do it. There's not enough people with the money to buy tickets, not enough corporate sponsors to kind of buy the skyboxes and everything else like that. Give me an example. This past week, there was a story in the Cincinnati Inquirer that Cincinnati was looking, according to the commissioner, Gary Bettman, Cincinnati was looking for an NHL team. No one knows who that person or group is. It's not going to happen in Cincinnati. They don't even have the downtown arena that is suitable for an NHL. But they did that. Someone planted that story, I believe, to Gary Bettman because Cincinnati is looking to build a new downtown arena. So they figured if they could kind of hype that up with maybe we could get an NHL team, which I don't think they could, uh, maybe they'll get the new arena. And I don't think Columbus would approve having Cincinnati with an NHL team. Columbus is only about 80 miles away. I don't think they want to have them in the, in their zone, you know, for potential season ticket people. I just don't think it happened. There are certain cities that can hold that many sports teams and be successful. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think Jacksonville could have another team. I don't think they can, Buck. As big as they may be, they got the NFL, and I don't think they could support like an NBA team. Yeah, it might be tough to pull off. It might be tough to pull all that off at one time. Uh, yeah, because only so many dollars to go around. But, I mean, it's kind of a sign that you're big time when you have multiple uh, pro sports teams in a town. That's why I think everyone's pushing for it. For Vegas, you want to have multiple teams come through there because it's a destination spot. You talk about all the visitors that come in and out. Why not be able to take in an NBA game, an yeah. NHL game, an NFL game while you're in town? It just enhances the experience of Vegas. No, I hear what you're saying there, but I, I think there are certain cities there where the NBA, if they are thinking of expansion, they can be the only show in town which would be advantageous to them. For example, Nashville has football. they got the NFL. It's 17 games and maybe eight or nine games at home. I think Nashville probably could support an NBA team. Now they're talking about Vancouver. Vancouver had a team at one point in time. I don't know if they wanted another team again, but I think they promised Seattle. Seattle got robbed when they went to Oklahoma City. I think Seattle, with their new arena, I think Seattle will probably get an expansion team in the NBA. And now they're talking Montreal. I'm not so certain. I've never visited Montreal. I don't think Montreal is, is a basketball town. I think it's all hockey. I can't see the NBA going to Montreal. What about you? Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I understand why you want to go up to Canada last time they had it it was Toronto and Vancouver for whatever reason Vancouver didn't work out uh, maybe they want to explore see if you can get some of those French Canadians to convert and be basketball uh, fans but there's a there's a lot that comes with um, expansion you talk about Seattle trying to reward Seattle for all the years uh that have, they've been robbed of those things. I don't know, man. I don't know how many teams you can bring in there. I would say maybe two at the max. But where are you going to go? You can't put two teams on the West Coast. you got to kind of figure out a way to balance it all out. Yeah, you know, that's a good point because I think when Milwaukee, when the Milwaukee Bucks came into the league, Milwaukee was on the East Coast and Phoenix came in with them. The Phoenix Suns had two teams. You want to bring in two teams to keep it even. So if they're going to expand to two teams, you can't have Seattle and Vegas at the same time. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking and I'm hoping this happens. I've always wanted to see an NBA team in Cincinnati. That'll never happen. But I think they could support an NBA team in Louisville. Louisville is a basketball-crazed city. 
I mean, there's probably more University of Kentucky fans in Louisville than Louisville fans. And it would be the only show in town. They have college basketball. Louisville's on a downswing in college basketball. They're terrible. The last two years, they've been really bad. Got a beautiful downtown arena, the Yum Center. I think the NBA could fly in Louisville. I'd love to see them go there. I don't know, man. It seems a little small. And are you going to be able to really penetrate a, a, a city that is really known for college, uh, college basketball? Yeah. Yeah, and even though, like, the Cardinals are down, right? They're down. They've been down for a little bit. Um, I still don't know if there would be enough to sustain an NBA team there over the long haul. Well, we'll find out from Melvin. Melvin's in Ocean City. He wants to talk to Bucky Brooks on Fox Sports Radio. Hello, Melvin. How you doing? Hi, guys. How you doing, Andy? How you doing? I appreciate you taking my call. Hey, um... I'm a real Cowboy fan, but that's not what I'm calling today about. I hear what you're saying about the deletion of the talent in the NBA. But back in the day, you had one superstar on each team building role players around the team, around that superstar. Now you got guys defecting to other teams because they can get two or three superstars on a team. I don't think that's fair. Well, that's the way it goes. I mean, they talk about the big three. I mean, the Celtics had it way back in the day when they had their big three, you know, with Bird and uh, was it uh, Mikhail? Mikhail, you're right. I mean, that, right. Look, right. But, but, the, but what they had, but those players were actually role players. Bird was the superstar. Those right. guys were, they developed that talent and they became superstars because they worked and built that talent around. Same thing today. If you get one superstar on a team and the role players got to get to play and they get to develop more and more and more, you'll have more competitive across the board than you do now. You know, I think it's difficult to do, though. I mean, look at Milwaukee. They've been trying to get some guys to be role players and step up a little bit to help Giannis in Milwaukee because they'd like to get to that big championship ring on their finger, and they haven't gotten that done. So, you know, uh, you make a great point, but I don't think one guy could do it. Look at the Lakers. I mean, LeBron cannot carry that team on his back. They got he's 49 years old. Well, he's, he's still playing at a pretty good level. He's averaging yeah. 25, 25 points a game. Right, right. That's good, but he shouldn't be happy trying. It should be David should be the one that's carrying the team, and everybody else fill in. And LeBron gets to you know relax a little bit and and come in and and play a superstar game every once in a while. But he shouldn't have to be carrying the team at 39 years old. Well, you know, obviously, obviously he can't. You're right. Now you make a good point there. We'll see what happens in the NBA, but we're talking about expansion right now. LeBron may be owning a team in Vegas. We'll see what happens with that. All right. Thank you for the call, Mel. Have a great day. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Now, we'll still call him a winner. That's coming up next live from the Tyrac.com studios. But first, our guy, Ilo. Isaac Lowenkron with all your sports. All right. Thank you very much, Andy and Bucky. We start with NBA All-Star Saturday night in Indianapolis. Mac McClung of the G League won the slam dunk title for the second straight year. He capped it with a dunk over Shaquille O'Neal that earned him a perfect score. Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics finished second. Damian Lillard of the Milwaukee Bucks won the three-point shootout for the second straight season, edging Atlanta's Trey Young on the final shot of the final rack in the final round. I mean, it's only right that I do it with some drama. Uh, I didn't really know what I had. I just heard the crowd like, ooh, ooh. So I knew I had to make that last shot to get the win. 
Lillard becoming the first repeat champion of the three-point shootout since Jason Capono in 2008. Also on All-Star Saturday night in the three-point duel between Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu. Curry prevailed 29-26. to Golf after three rounds of the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. Patrick Cantley has a two-shot lead at 14 under par overall. And finally, some news just breaking. NASCAR has just postponed the running of the Daytona 500 to Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern because of inclement weather. It was supposed to start at 2.30 p.m. Eastern today. Instead, again, the Daytona 500 now postponed until Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern because of inclement weather. Fellas, back to you. They should put up a dome, run indoors with with NASCAR. That's what they should do. Great point. uh, Would be a big dome. Right. And it would smell, too, from the exhaust. But uh, honestly, to 4, 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, that's bad. Bad for TV, bad for everybody. So, uh, But you know what? It's a holiday, though. Maybe people will watch. You're right. It's President's Day. I forget. So maybe they will get some TV ratings on that. All right. We move along. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. And, of course, uh, we have to ask the question, does this guy have a short leash? We'll get to that right now. But first, got to tell you, shortly after the show, our podcast will be going up. Yes. If you missed any of today's show, be sure to check out the podcast. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast. And be sure to also follow, rate, and review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts. And you'll see this show, Fox Sports Sunday, posted right after we get off the air. Now, we have the offbeat world of sports in about seven, eight minutes from now. And we talk about this guy who was drafted two. 62. The last player drafted in the 2022 draft, his name is Brock Purdy, and today we call him a winner. Winner is quarterback for the 49ers, although they did lose the Super Bowl to the Chiefs. He went 23 for 38 for 255 and a touchdown. And the question was asked, and I think the answer we know right now, can he win at the highest level? Bucky Brooks, the answer I think is yes, he can. Yeah, he absolutely can win at the highest level. I mean, he had to 49ers position to win. They just came up a few plays short. He has to continue to elevate his game. His supporting cast has to continue to get better and improve. they got to fortify the offensive line. And then Kyle Shanahan has to figure out how to finish these games. They had a lead. They just got to learn how to finish it. But yeah, Brock Purdy can certainly lead that franchise to a Super Bowl. I don't think he's the type of quarterback that's going to elevate your average receivers like maybe Patrick Mahomes can do and and maybe Tom Brady did. But I think that we saw that Brock Purdy really excelled when he had pressure coming right at him. He was something like 12 for 19 for 131. And and I think the score when uh, the Chiefs were blitzing him and he faced blitzes maybe almost like 50% of the games, uh, part of the game during the dropback. So I think that he could handle the pressure. He did handle the pressure and he looked pretty pretty good. He was, had some poise in him when he was playing the game on, on Sunday. And uh, I think that he could be the quarterback of the future, although the 49ers may not think so. There are immediate reports that say that the 49ers may be looking at Kurt Cousins. Have you heard about that? I haven't heard about that, but they've been tied to Kirk Cousins before. That's because of the relationship that Kyle Shanahan has with Kirk Cousins going all the way back to their time together in Washington. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a prize free agent. He will be on the market, and depending on how uh, the Niners want to go about it, they could look at him. I will say this. When you look at their cap situation, man, Kirk Cousins only complicates the mix. They don't necessarily have a bunch of room to bring in a high-priced quarterback into the mix. And with Brock Purdy, you look at his record and the success that they've had, uh, title game and then a Super Bowl uh, as a second-year player. Um, 
I don't know why you want to move off of that. You had a lot of confidence in him. Even if you're saying that his ceiling uh, will eventually become a problem, man, he's won at such a high level. I just don't know how you make that move. And from a cost standpoint, he is less than a million dollars. You can't even right. talk about negotiating his deal for another year. Why would you want to tinker with that? That recipe has been very successful for the 49ers. He's making something like $600,000, isn't he? It's, it's, it's unreal. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a rookie, rookie, yeah, rookie contract, seventh-round pick. Um, I mean, it's a team-friendly deal. It's very advantageous. You get the benefit of doing it this year. You could extend it into next year before you really touch it. I mean, man, the, the most important position in football, you're getting the biggest discounted rate. Uh, I don't know how you can beat that if you're the Niners. And the question has to be asked, would the 49ers be as successful with any other quarterback? This guy was the last player drafted in the draft, and he was like a a throw-in. I mean, no one expected him to even make the ball club, let alone lead a team to the Super Bowl. So with the offensive strength that this team has, could they have gone just as far with anybody else? It's just the fact that Brock Purdy was lucky enough to be in a system with great players. Uh, I won't won't say that because I think that's taken away from what uh, he has been because they've had other quarterbacks that have been in that system. They had Jimmy Garoppolo. They tried Trey Lance. uh, They've had others before them, and they weren't able to elevate the situation. I think with Brock Purdy, what he gives them is the stuff that you can't see. It's the IQ stuff. It's being able to uh, run and control the game at the line of scrimmage, whether it's changing protections and doing those things. It's his pinpoint accuracy, particularly against zone coverage. And he has some moxie and some fire in him that comes up that comes out in big games he's a really good player you got to give him credit for what he's done now will I say that he's an elite player on par with Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes and some of those guys no but he's definitely in the top 10 when you look at the way that he's played and the numbers that he's put up Okay, I still call him a winner. I'll tell you why. The reason for the 49ers collapse, the reason why they lost, I think it's all on Kyle Shanahan. I really do. He ignored the, he ignored Christian McCaffrey the first three drives of the third quarter in that Super Bowl game last week. I, I don't get it. I really don't. And they had three consecutive three and outs to start the second half. Uh, Shanahan's he's at fault. And look, he's got a track record. We talked about this earlier today of not being able to come alive and win the big games. He collapsed against the Patriots in when he was the uh, offensive coordinator for Atlanta. It's unbelievable, really. It really was. Yeah, that no, was unbelievable. He has to live with that. He has to find a way to kind of rectify that. It's just been a problem. They just haven't been able to close games out. You would think that they would be able to do it. They just have not been able to get it done. And it's unfortunate because the team that they had last year was one of the best teams that you'll find. And they won't be able to run it back with that same squad. It's amazing what they've done. The Shanahan struggle on third down. Uh, they couldn't handle the pressure from Steve Spagnolo. I mean, I, I understand he's a great defensive coordinator. Uh, they converted just, what, three of 12 third down attempts. You can't do that, and you can't put all that blame on Brock Purdy. He wasn't making the calls. He's, he's not calling the plays. Now, isn't Kyle Shanahan basically the somewhat uh, de facto offensive coordinator? He's calling those plays as well. He is the offensive coordinator. It's all on him. He didn't uh, get it done. And I thought he did a really good job of being aggressive at times and kind of setting his team up to win, but he just couldn't finish it when they had an opportunity. Unbelievable. He's been a head coach, Kyle Shanahan has, or an offensive coordinator. His team has held at least a 10-point lead, and his teams are 0-3 in those games. Two Super Bowls, all right? 
It's it's amazing. I mean, and I feel bad for the guy because he is considered an offensive genius. He really is, and he's a hell of a coach. But the point is this: he's got he's got this monkey on his back that he can't win the big games. And I think Lamar Jackson had that too for a while after he won the MVP. You know, there are certain guys. I mean, I'm not saying he's choking in the big games. It just worked out that he could not win the big games. Yeah, he just hasn't been able to get it done. He has to figure out a way to finish. They haven't finished. It has to be a point of emphasis. They got to practice it. They got to talk about it. He has to have a plan for it. Um, don't really know why they didn't play their best ball in the postseason, but it's something that the Niners have to examine. Despite getting to the Super Bowl and having an opportunity to win it, we can say that they played their worst football in the month of January. Why is that? Yeah. That's the, 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 those answers are going to be telling and Cal Shanahan has to figure out why his team didn't play great down the stretch. Well, he figured it out. He put the blame on Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator. He fired the guy. This is two days after he said he's going to return his staff. And we talked about this earlier. I think it's terrible that Steve Wilkes was made the scapegoat. Yeah, he couldn't fit in. And look, Shanahan was a bit of a gentleman by saying that we made a mistake in hiring him. But the timing when he said that was really bad and wrong because he said it right after he fired him after they lost the Super Bowl. Really, it's amazing. It really is. It is. And look, there's no there's no good time to do it. I will say this. If you're the head coach, sometimes you have to make those decisions. And if you feel like you made a bad hire, then you have to acknowledge it and right. extending it, prolonging it because it, it 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 didn't look it was a bad look. That's not the way. And so I appreciate him as a leader saying, hey, this didn't work for us. It didn't work because he was an outsider. I put him in a bad situation. Ultimately, it's on me that I set him up for failure. But we need to move on because there's a certain way that I want our team to play. And I can't play. Uh, we're not getting it done. So, well, you know I mean, Steve Wilkes well. Goes. I mean, where does he go? Mm-hmm. Does he end up, does he get something or he's going to be on the outside right, looking I- in? I mean, he'd probably be on the outside looking in right now just wow. based on the timing of it. I mean, it's, it's Super Bowl. Like, maybe he can come and, and someone to bring him in as an assistant or associate head coach, something like that, to have kind of like that, that trusted set of eyes in the building. But it's unfortunate. And it's really unfortunate for him that he is – I mean, he's been dealt – a bad stack of cards in some ways, right? You think about yeah. what happened in Arizona. You think about yep. the job that he did in Carolina where you thought that he would be the guy, didn't get it, makes his way over to San Francisco. This should have been a launching pad for him to get back. Um, the defense, people will say, was up and down. But when you look at the numbers, it looked way more up than down. Uh, but it just didn't work. And so he has this these smudges on his resume that will likely prevent him from getting another shot at being a head coach, even though people have seen his work and they've seen that, look, he certainly is worthy of being a, a viable head coaching candidate. Well, you can hang out with Bill Belichick. That's what he'll do. We'll see what happens then. All right. Interesting. Steve Wilkes on the outside <laughs> looking in. Hey, it's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. We are Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. A different kind of sporting activity. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I had to wait four hours to hear Stevie Wonder. Here he is right now. Are they really sports? That's coming right up. Turn it up. I love Stevie Wonder. He's my favorite. Mm. He really is. Oh, God. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Andy Furman. We're Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. We're live from the Tyrac.com studios. And before we proceed, I want to thank our tremendous staff. Tremendous staff today. The I-Man handling everything over there. Mark on the controls. Ilo doing the sports updates. And, of course, at the top of the hour, which is about 10 minutes away, my good friends and your good friends as well, Buck, Jeff Schwartz and Mike Harmon. Jeff Schwartz, the, the author. Have you read his book? Have you read Jeff Schwartz's book? I have not. I have not. I was unaware that Jeff Schwartz was an acclaimed author. Oh, I should mail author, it to you. It's one heck of a book. He's a chef. Cool. He's a cook, too, you know, Jeff Schwartz. Oh, wow. He's a man, man of a man all trades. talents. He's a renaissance yeah. man. Jeff Schwartz and Mike Harmon, the Swollen Dome at the top of the hour. But right now, we're going to talk about sports. Are they sports? I'll run this by you because you're the sportsman here. You really know. Now, perhaps, Bucky Brooks, you've played cornhole Maybe in a backyard barbecue or maybe at a tailgate mm-hmm. before no, no. Before a college. Yeah, no, I know. Probably, yeah, okay. I know. I know I know cornhole. I'm very okay. familiar. There you go. You know, there's a professional league right now that's been on TV. Get this. Yeah. Cornhole now will be a collegiate sport. High school seniors Jackson Remick and Gavin Hammond, they signed letters of intent to play cornhole at Winthrop University, a Division One school in your place. North Carolina. Yeah. Can you believe yeah, it? Yeah, I, I can believe it because cornhole is very similar to the way that you would play horseshoes. Yes. I can, I can get down. I understand it. So it's a sport. You consider that a sport, though? Yeah, it's a sport. Okay, well, it's a sport. I think any time there's competition, it's a sport, right? I would think. Yeah, you keep a scoreboard, yeah. Competition. I love it. There's a winner and a loser. It's a sport. That's it. Basically. You know, card, playing cards is a sport. There's a winner and a loser, I guess. Whatever. Sport yeah. with your mind, not with your body. Yeah. Okay, how many times have you taken an ice bath after a practice when you were a pro? Ooh. Um... I've done it. Look, I used to do it a lot when I was in Kansas City. It's a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Cool the body, try and recover, try and get everything back. Yeah, I right. dig it. 
Okay, a health and wellness company in Australia, they set a Guinness World Record, get this, when 509 people took ice baths at the same time on a beach. One Life Livid organized the attempt at the record for the most people taking an ice bath simultaneous at Lighton Beach in Western Australia. How do you like that? Wow, that's, that's crazy. I would never take an ice bath. The company set up a large inflatable pool on the beach, and the participants entered together with about 12 bathers in each pool. Unbelievable. Wow. Okay. Here's, here's another one. I don't know if you consider this a sport or not, but a Danish man earned an unusual Guinness World Records title. He managed to stuff, get this, I don't know why you do this, how you even think about it, 68 matchsticks into his nostrils. How do you like that? Why? <laughs> I just, right, why? My why? question would be like, why? Like, why, 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 would, you, why would you do that? Why would two, you Two reasons why you do, do it. Either, either you're intoxicated, oh you're drunk out of your mind, or someone offered you big bucks to do it. Those are the only two reasons to do it, right? Peter Von Tegen oh. Buskoff, 39, was awarded a title for the most matches held in the nose when he surpassed Guinness World Records' goal of 45 matchsticks. How do you like that? He said he chose the matchstick challenge after researching different world records he could attempt. He said he doesn't think he can currently beat his own record, but he hasn't ruled out trying it again in the future. How do you like that? Mm. Yeah, All that's right. a good one. Here's yeah, a sport for good. you. Okay. If you're looking to increase your fitness add sparkle to your social life or both okay what about the ultimate frisbee game have you ever played that yeah i played uh, ultimate frisbee really That's pretty fun you're a sportsman yeah. okay two teams of seven trying to get the flying disc into the end zone of a field the size of a football pitch Anything like that it's not not too dangerous kind of fun right not bad yeah kind of fun i'm okay right. with that you know they put this in the in the on the list of sports i guess it is handball right Players attempt to score on the other team's goal by passing and running with the ball. Matches consist of two 30-minute halves. All right? Mm. These are, like, kind of more normal. What about corfball? You ever play corfball? Yeah, that I don't know. Okay, it's an indoor mixed-gender ball game that's a mixture of basketball and netball. Very popular in the Netherlands, Belgium, and Taiwan. There's another sport for you. Keep it going. All right. We want to thank everybody for helping us. Stay tuned for the twosome at the top of the hour right here on Fox. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 